Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 113 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing. Joining me today, since it's our Thursday show, is my good friend Steve Cook. Steve, how are you, buddy? Oh, uh, fine and dandy. Both fine and dandy, huh? Yes, yes. That's rare, because many times a person is fine, and many times a person are dandy. But they are not always fine and dandy, as the good George Carlin once told us. Well, I mean, you, you know, that's the way it was back in the good old days. But nowadays, now that we've advanced in society, one can in fact be both fine and dandy. I think one thing we can always agree on, though, in the immortal words of George Carlin, is that chickens is good people. Sure. So we know that. We got Absolutely. that going for us in this time, Steve. Well, you got to have something going for us. That's right. So it's a, it's a normal Thursday show. We have AEW. We have NXT to talk about. We got some news. We got Money in the Bank preview, Steve. We're going to start off with uh, kind of little newsy stuff. Uh, I saw you t- tweeting about it. Did you watch? end up watching the Dark Side of the Ring cocaine and cowboy boots on Herb Abrams? Of course I did. Of course I did. Anytime that... Uh... Anytime that there's some UWF discussion to be had, as you know, because, I mean, back in the day when ESPN Classic used to show some of those UWF shows, oh, all over that stuff. It was just a quality wrestling product, and Herb Abrams was an interesting man who lived an interesting life. I'll and be I think, re- good. Hmm? I think, quite frankly, B. Brian Blair might have had the quote of the year on television when he said that Herb Abrams did doing what he loved. He died doing what he loved, cocaine and hookers. He wasn't wrong. So uh, I'm going to be reviewing it with uh, Jerome. Overall thoughts on the special, though, Steve? What would you think of it? Um, it was a fun little nostalgic trip. Um, it's just hilarious stuff. Like, you know, during that press conference where Abrams promised they would have uh, Blackjack, Blackjack Mulligan and Bruiser Brody. Uh, you know, one, one was in jail and one was dead. So kind of an issue there. Um, yeah. He had the uh, litany of uh, guest stars. Um, one thing I found kind of interesting was uh, Mick Foley's kind of insistence that Herb Abrams was a good person. He was really uh, pro-Herb at this point. I don't know if Herb, maybe Herb just gave him a lot of money back in the day. I don't know what the deal was there. But frankly, Foley came off in this episode kind of uh, naive, I guess you could say. Very much so. Very naive. And talking about how the UWF had you know, just as many big stars as WF did, which was not actually accurate. And, uh, you know, he also mentioned that Superfly Jimmy Snooker was his role model, which is probably a bad thing to mention a couple weeks after that episode. But, you know. Yeah. Not not mixed, not mixed finest hour on that, on that program. And I'm sure, and he meant well, I'm sure, but he just didn't, he came off very naive. Let's just say that. Very true. Again, another fascinating episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Review will be coming this weekend with Jerome as usual. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I, again, I, I'm really enjoying this season overall, Steve. I don't know about you, but very good stuff this year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they come up with for uh, season when there, if, if when there's a season three, which I assume there will be. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And one suggestion I've seen floated out there that I think would be awesome uh, would be the story of XPW. You want to talk about a indie federation like UWF that had an interesting story? Now there's a story of XPW. 
I mean, you could definitely do something on that for sure. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with for season three. I know Jerome and I are going to talk about that when we finish up the season. We're going to list off some stuff that they can maybe cover. There's definitely a lot of stuff you can look at in the wrestling business. But to get back into current day wrestling, Steve, it was revealed today AEW, after being narked out by that son of a bitch Chris Cruz, has been fined $100,000, or I'm sorry, $10,000 by the Maryland State Athletic Commission for the Moxley Omega brawl at full gear, their unsanctioned fight that ended up with uh, both guys being lacerated and bleeding. So, in other words, uh, we're not going to be seeing any more AEW pay-per-view events in Maryland. I think we we can safely assume that. I I would assume not. (laughs) Wow. I mean, it's it's been an interesting story because, I mean, two things around in in 2020 that I thought were long gone: the Maryland State Athletic Commission and uh, Christopher Cruz. I thought both were long gone. It's not bad enough that those fuckers screwed over Lex Luger back in the day. Oh yeah, that uh, that little trickle of blood that kept them from being the NBA World Champion. Complete nonsense. Complete BS. No doubt about that. I mean. If they ever wanted to shut anything down in Baltimore, they probably should have shut down Art Dobbins' commentary on the King of the Ring show. That's right. Because, uh, good Lord, that had to break several of the state commission rules, didn't it? I, I would think so. I mean, gosh almighty. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, technically they did break the rule. And it's pretty easy to investigate and, you know, fine. Pretty well cut and dry. But like I said, um we won't be seeing any more AEW pay-per-view events in, in Maryland. I think we can safely assume that. And we can also safely assume that Christopher Cruz has absolutely nothing to do. Apparently not. That's a bored man. That is a man. I mean, I guess since WCW Canada's ass back in, what, 96 or whatever it was, I guess he hasn't done anything since then. Pretty much, man. So uh, sticking with AEW, Steve, our good friend Dasha Gonzalez is going to be part of The Rock's Titan Games on NBC. Is Dasha enough to make you check that show out? Especially because it's going to be up against Raw. <laughs> Does Raw really make a difference now? Let's be honest. Not really, but I'm saying especially because it's up against Raw. It gives you something else to watch. Well, yeah, see, that, that helps. Is it going to be during football season? No, they're they're airing it uh, early because of uh, all the series is um, oh, ending early yeah. because of uh, the COVID stuff. So well, in that case, I might... In that case, I might at least check out the clips on YouTube and Twitter. I will, I will at least do that because I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, Dasha Gonzalez. She has a very great, very underrated Instagram account as well. Mm. Lovely Indeed. young woman. Well, of course. I mean, seems like, uh, seems like good people too. So, like a solid citizen. Um, some good news, Steve. The NWA is going to get back to some first run um, programming next week as they finally air the Superpower Special. Now, pre-COVID-19, this um, show is going to be part of the build to the Crockett Cup. But due to the Crockett Cup being canceled and that all being outdated, they had to do some reworking of the show. Probably had to relay a bunch, uh, replay, redo a bunch of the commentary on it. But we're finally going to see Superpower next week, Steve. Are you happy to be getting back to some NWA action? Uh, yeah. It's it's nice, uh, they, and they definitely need to do something because I think we can agree that uh, you know the NWA had built some buzz with the beginning of Power, 
it kind of started to go down a little bit after the you know the cornet controversy and all that stuff it kind of turned some people off and whatnot and of course at this point you know anytime you go away for a long time and you know, we, we might be critical of WWE and AEW for continuing to do shows, but that's pretty much the only way they can really keep their name out there, especially AEW because they don't have an extensive video library or anything like that. The NWA, I mean, they're kind of they're kind of already on that verge where people are kind of starting to fade and you know, kind of starting to tune them out a little bit. So they need to get back on the horse and start doing something just to get some attention and, you know, maybe make some money and whatnot. So, yeah, it's good that they'll be back, and we'll see what else they can do from here on out. It's going to be interesting going forward. I will say that at least uh, they already run their shows in a pretty small venue anyway for the most part, so I'm sure they can get around all the social distancing guidelines and things like that. And the other thing, too, is, um, you know, Impact went to Nashville and ran in a TV studio and did empty arena stuff to fill up the next eight weeks or so of TV. And I don't think it would be a bad idea for the NWA to try the same thing, because as you said, they were already running a small venue anyway. So even if there's not going to be people in there, I just kind of maybe go the AEW route and throw a little bit, a couple people in there to get a little reaction going and just... uh. I think they're going to need to tape something because it's really cool that they're like, they ran the Paul Bosch stuff one week and this week they ran um, a special on Aldis and uh, Cabana heading into their match in China. The week before was a special on uh, Nick Aldis and Tim Storm. And those are all nice and everything. And I think it's good that they're trying to create some content, but I also think like you said, that there were some diminishing returns as far as interest goes and, they need to do something. Doing something is better than doing nothing. I think we can all agree on that. So, which I mean, which ties in, which I don't know if we even kind of can cover that or not. The fact that Ring of Honor is no more shows scheduled. Yeah, Ring of Honor is um they're content with not running shows right now. They're running the uh the best of stuff on TV, which is a profile of various stars each week. Uh, they've done, um, you know, they've done the Briscoes, they've done Jay Lethal, PCO, they've done Matt Taven. This week's episode, which um, I'll have my review up on Thursday by the time you guys listen to this, was on Mark Haskins. And for the most part, they've all been good to really good shows outside of the PCO one because, unfortunately, the the PCO matches they showed were like his two worst matches in Ring of Honor, which was the number one contenders match with Marty, which was just overbooked and trashy, and then his world title win versus Roosh, which was very overbooked and trashy. But, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, the shows have been really enjoyable, I thought, and they have enough of a video library to definitely play off of that. Yeah, and you mentioned the PCO one, and I, was gonna, and I did see that particular episode. And I just remember thinking when I was watching this stuff with, the, with PCO and with the, the guy that brings them back to life, whatever, Destro. What Destro, Destro, yeah. Destro. Destro comes by and brings him back to life and all this stuff. I, I can only I, the only thing I could think of, and with all due respect, is PCO is a hell of a hell of an athlete. He's like fifty two years old or whatever and can still go and all all due respect and whatnot. But that gimmick would have died a horrible death back in the uh, old school Ring of Honor days. Oh, definitely. And it didn't uh, get over nope, in this one either. So, I mean, that's <laughs> it didn't really get over here either. But, I mean, but yeah, at the same time, we do respect PCO because he's still a heck of an athlete. But, yeah, the gimmick is, uh, uh, it's, it's a shit. So, let's be honest. It's, it's yeah. not great. And, unfortunately, you know, the problem with 
that show, I mean, the PCO story was a great comeback story. The guy comes back from being out of wrestling. He gets attention. He gets signed. He wins the world title. It's a great story. Unfortunately, they just didn't show the right matches to play off of that. Yeah, I mean, but I get why they're trying to... They're kind of showing the higher-profile matches for a lot of guys. I know some of the shows that I've seen where they've shown like some matches from... I'm not entirely sure. Maybe there are matches that hadn't previously been seen on television. Uh, they seem like more of the... Uh, uh, pay-per-view type matches to me. Yeah, definitely. So, but um, yeah, they're they're doing their thing. MLW's doing their thing as well. They're finishing up the Mexico stuff, and then they're going to be doing some anthology stuff, and then apparently digging into the uh, even deeper into the uh, the uh, the tapes, you know, because they do have a lot of tapes from the early MLW run, and it'll be interesting to see how they deal and go with it because. Again, Court Bauer has been adamant and said he can produce TV through 2021 without running another live event. And they could probably do what like NXT UK did last week because NXT UK last week did a what was called a hidden gem show, which was previously on their dark matches and they had like some Matt Riddle match and Shayna Baszler match stuff like that. And I know there was there have been matches taped at the TVs that didn't make TV for whatever reason. So. I mean, if they're good enough, they could probably th- throw a, a show or two together of just those matches. And, I mean, we'll see how they um, weather the storm. Again, the good news is, from everything I've heard, they're pa- they've paid people. I know Ring of Honor paid people, even people that weren't under contract for the canceled shows. Impact is paying people even for the canceled shows right now. So, right now, there are people doing a lot of good things, and I just want to make sure that those things are mentioned, because... People were like, you don't talk about impact paying to people. I'm like, actually, Steve and I talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about Ring of Honor still paying people. Yep. And again, I, I you're going to say, what about the NWA? I don't know. They only have a couple contracted guys. I don't know what the steps of those contracts are. And I can maybe, I can try to reach out to Dave Lagana and see if he'll actually answer me. But I mean, they may not want to answer that. I don't know. So I can't tell you one way or the other. What I do know is, from everything I've heard, MOW has paid people. I know Ring of Honor is because um, they've said it and the talent have said it. And again, Impact has done it. And Ethan Page was very vocal about it on Twitter, being stating the fact that my contract says that if I work, I get paid. But I'm getting paid for not working and sitting at home in Canada right now. So again, good on Impact and ROH and anybody who's paying their talent right now without running live shows. Well, no, I saw that Ethan Page did do some work on this week's episode of Impact. Well, yeah, he did. <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, the guy is still doing a little bit of work here and there. That's right. So Steve, which is fair because Moose stole that damn TNA gimmick from him too. That's right. Kind of ridiculous. So Steve, we're gonna go to WWE, and you're to remember Steve months and months and months and months and months ago. People were getting all over me in my reviews. Why are you so down on the booking of Cedric Alexander? Why are you so down on the booking of Ricochet? Don't you understand? This is basic wrestling booking. They're eventually going to come back and beat AJ Styles for the U.S. title, Steve. And Steve, did Cedric Alexander and Rick Shaver win the WWE United States Championship from AJ Styles or anybody? Not that I can recall, but to be honest, the booking of the United States Championship is something that I could have completely lost track of at this point. I cannot even... I'm trying to think of who the champion is. Andrade is still the champion. champion. Like I had to thank for a minute because like, I was like, okay, for God's sakes, who's a champion? 
Okay, well, see, the answer is no. They never got to beat AJ. They never won the U.S. title. And then Ricochet was killed in Saudi Arabia by Brock. Cedric was yeah. off TV for a while. When he was on TV or main event, he was losing to geeks like Riddick Moss. Yeah. And then they made him a tag team. And don't get me wrong, Seti and Ricochet are a damn fun tag team. Look very good for a week. Really enjoyable, but every time they get a little momentum, they have them lose right away. They lost to the Viking Raiders already. And then on Monday Night Raw, they lost to Shane Thorne and Brendan Vink. With Brendan Vink pinning Ricochet. And why did he pin Ricochet, Steve? Because he's six foot five and he's Vince McMahon's new project. Oh, well, there you have it. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say because I am familiar with Shane Thorne from his tag team with with uh, Mikey Nichols, whatever the heck his WD name was. But uh, Brandon Vink was a name that I was not, uh, not really familiar with, and I'm sure I've seen him somewhere, but I just don't remember it. Well, have I seen him somewhere, Larry? <laughs> Not really, Steve. He's He's been on Raw and NXT a couple times doing jobs, and apparently he's the new project. And again, people got upset with me for this because, well, what's the problem? You complain that the NXT guys lose, and then they finally win. He thinks a project, obviously. Well, here's, here, here's my problem. Ricochet and Cedric have allegedly been projects and Paul Heyman's favorites for a long time. And what the fuck are they doing with these two guys? Nothing. Jack and Schick, you, you, doing have, you have Ricochet, who for a time was one of the greatest high flyers in the sport of professional wrestling. Killed it in New Japan. Gets signed by WWE because it was always a goal. We all knew it was going to happen there, Larry. We all knew that. Well, yes, but you can't tell people that, Steve. I know. But the problem is, is this. Why are you going to put these guys together and heat them up only to have them lose again and just repeat the fucking cycle? Why? Because you got three hours to fill every damn Monday night. And, uh, man, I I got home late, so I saw, like, the third hour of that show. I'm sorry. But even the third hour of that show was mind-numbingly long to me. Raw was approximately 33 hours long this week. It sure, it sure seemed like it, and uh, it's it's a problem. It's not, I don't know, the, the booking of the uh, WDMT Arena shows continues to be an issue, and quite frankly, I think that issue continued for the most part on tonight's NXT show, where you just have a ton of people going out there and doing really quick matches. It's like Impact back in the day when he used to have like six matches in a one-hour show. Yeah, and we'll definitely talk about NXT later, but before that, Steve... New Japan in the news today with um, what were predictable but unfortunate cancellations. They have canceled this year's Best of the Super Juniors tournament, which I greatly enjoy every year, and I'm very sad about that. And they have also postponed the Wrestle Dynasty event in August, which was going to take place in Madison Square Garden. Again, I think these were predictable cancellations, Steve, but unfortunate for various reasons. Any thoughts on that? Um, not really, other than, yeah, we pretty much, it's pretty much to be expected at this point that, uh, things going forward are not going to be what you thought they're going to be. Uh, I don't see this whole thing with MC Arena stuff ending anytime soon. 
And at this point, it seems like, like for example, AAA down in Mexico, they've already said that they're not going to really announce anything going forward. Like, you know, Triple Mania date or anything like that. They're not going to announce anything for that because they have no idea when they're going to be able to do it. And I think pretty much at this point, that can be said for anything, for any promotion. I mean, as far as... And I know the Japanese promotions are pretty much... I, I don't, I don't think it's all of them, but most of them have pretty much uh, shut things down until further notice. And I know New Japan's one of those. And I think any of your traditional New Japan events, like the G1 Climax or anything else like that, or I, I would be surprised to see, to see them this year. The G1 has an outside chance because due to the Olympics originally taking place in the summer, they that was pushed to the fall. So there is a chance... But again, like you said, it's very likely that it could not happen because we just don't know what the hell is going on. They might, I mean, I could see them saving the G1 as like their their comeback. Yeah. Like, I think that would be a kick-ass thing for them to, to come back with, you know, once this all ends, that they could come back with the G1 Climax and then make people very excited. Exactly. That's kind of what I was thinking as well. We're going to jump to Impact, Steve. And uh, last week we talked Impact and how they, uh, Nevaeh had made her debut. Yes. And we were talking about how it looks like they were possibly going to bring in some more people. And according to PW Insider, there are more Impact signings planned. Nevaeh is not signed at this time, but they're planning to use her. But on Tuesday's episode of Impact, and she is booked in a match next week, Kimberly made her debut, Steve. Yes, yes, indeed. She's a debuted as part of the locker room talk segment with uh, Madison Rain and Jessica Havoc, who uh, I assume she has some history with some from somewhere down the road. Yeah, so they are, um, looks like they're really looking to bulk up the um, the knockouts division right now. And again, according to PW Insider, some more signings are planned. Um, just on the surface, Steve, what do you think about Nevaeh and Kimberly coming in, uh, adding to that knockouts division right now? Yeah, Nevaeh is an obvious, uh, obvious addition, and you know she's got the connection with the Chris and whatnot. So it, and Havoc always tagging kind of, in the past, yeah, so. and with Havoc as well. So you know she's part of that group. So it's always, always an idea they probably bring her in at some point when it's convenient, and this would be one of those times. And Kimberly is somebody who we've seen, uh, we've seen her a lot on the Indies over the years. She had that brief run uh, with the May Young Classic. Uh, gosh, did, did she do some NXT too? I'm not really very too little. Sure on that. Very little NXT. I just kind of remember, you know, and and she's a good worker. Don't get me wrong. But the thing that kind of bugged me about her in the May Young Classic was they had the, you know, they were all doing like the NXT entrance where they all come out, they do their pose on the ramp, they walk down to the ring, they do their pose in the ring, and uh, she was one of the more obvious ones that kind of like stood out to me. It was like, oh. It, it it just looked really awkward to me. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. she's a good wrestler. Don't get me wrong, but I just remembered that didn't really work for me, and the her name with there was not great. So I wasn't I wasn't surprised she didn't last there. But I could see her doing some good stuff in a company like Impact because she does have a uh, good worker and uh, you know a lot of potential there. Yeah, Kimber's really good. That WWE run went wrong for a lot of reasons, <clears throat> and um, when she left. Her initial indie stuff wasn't very good. She had put on some weight, and then apparently, I believe she had, um, I don't want to like say what I think it was. There were apparently some issues. 
she had, and apparently she's got over them. She's dropped a lot of that weight now. She looks like she did pre-WWE, so she looks like she's back in shape and ready to go. And when she's being Kimberly and everything's good to go, I mean, that's definitely a good addition. So I think that's a smart addition by Impact. And you have a good Impact Knockouts roster right now. You've just brought in Kylie Ray. If you bring in Navia and Kimberly, you're just bulking that up even more. Um, I think these are good moves on the surface if they're signing them. I also want to say while we're talking about Impact and women, I think uh, I did catch this week's episode and I, I'd heard some praise of it before, but I want to back up the praise I've heard where I think uh, Madison Rain's doing a great job on commentary alongside Josh Matthews and she's good in that backstage segment as well. So uh, good work by Madison. And it's I can see how she and Josh would have some chemistry being married and whatnot. And, I think she adds a lot to the show in that capacity. I completely agree with this, Steve, and I just want to add, I don't miss Don Callis at all. No, and I think Don would be, and I think Don would be perfectly happy if uh, Madison was to take that role and give him one less thing to do. Yeah, I mean, seriously, I agree with that too. But like, and I'm not trying to like shit on Don Callis. I just there are times to me where he's just completely overbearing on commentary, and that I think he takes away from things. To whereas Madison can be really playful with Josh because they are husband and wife. Like, I love when Josh says something that almost mildly puts himself over and she just immediately fucking buries him. <laughs> but it's fun. It's that, and again, somebody's going to get upset when I say this, but it's that, it's that fun, in a way, gorilla Bobby Heenan um, chemistry. To where they were really great friends in real life. Yeah, But on commentary, if you didn't know any better, you'd think those guys might hate each other. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's like it works when you don't overdo it. It's fun, it's playful, it adds a new vibe to the show, so I really enjoy that. And it, it doesn't feel like they're overdoing it to me. At least no, it, it doesn't. They've been good. They were really good on the Rebellion specials. They were good again this week. And yeah, I'm all for, I am all for Madison honestly taking over right now, unless they find another regular announcer out there that is worlds better. And I don't know who that would be. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I'm fine with her. And I also agree with your point that I think it's honestly better that, um, Don Callis doesn't have to worry about doing commentary and can focus on helping run the company with Scott Demore. Cause there are times where Don is really good on commentary, but again, I think there's times where he's overbearing and kind of takes over. And I think detracts from things. Yeah. So, just uh, you know, I think, and and I th- I think he'd probably welcome that as well. Just give him the chance to focus on other things. That's right. So sticking with TNA uh, or Impact, um, a point you made earlier with Moose. Um, yeah, it looks like, and we talked about this a little last week. Looks like they're going kind of full speed ahead with the TNA stuff. Here is a uh, Moose has anointed himself the TNA World Champion. He did a really fun interview on this week's Impact. Pulled himself out of the number one contenders tournament for the Impact World title because, and I quote, I won't compete for a second class championship. There you have it. And um, a really fun interview. He declares he's the TNA World Champion because he's defeated several TNA World Champions and he's willing to defend the title. He's actually going to defend it next week against Suicide. I said in my review I enjoyed this and the thing is, I think there's a lot of mileage out of it because Moose does some good character work with it. And with the WWE recent releases, there are some new guys that are going to be available in 90 days that they can bring in to play into this, like an EC3, like an Eric Young. Sure. 
that you can continue on with this storyline and have former champions challenge him. And again, I'm not saying Impact has to sign those guys. What I'm saying is you can bring him in for a TV taping. You can run an angle. You can build up to a big main event. And then if it works out, it works out. But I'm just saying, you can do some fun stuff with this. So I'm kind of digging that they're going all in on it. And Moose is completely over the top as the douchebag fake champion. And it's a good thing to kill time. I think we talked about uh, last time where, you know, our current Impact champion is down in Mexico and she's probably not going to be able to show up there anytime soon. So why not? You have the number one contender tournament, sure. But then as kind of on, you also have Moose here with his uh, championship, which, you know what? Some people will say it's a fake championship, but by God, the TNA World Heavyweight Championship is a legitimate championship in my book. Damn right. I, I, I rank Moose. I mean, he's got he's at least as good a champion as uh, Braun Strowman, at least as good as, uh, um, gosh, is Rush the RH champion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rush. So at least as good as them. I'm not sure I'd put him on the same level as John Moxley. Uh, Drew's still new to the title, so it's tough to say. But uh, I'd say Moose is at least one of the. He's definitely he's better be, than Braun. He's got to be in the top five uh, world champions right now, in my book. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, But yeah, it's an enjoyable angle. And again, I think they're smartly... I, I thought last night's show, uh, Tuesday night's show of Impact was a really solid show. It was held back because the in-ring wasn't very good overall, except for the main event. Yeah. But I thought that they did a good job of setting the stage for the next few weeks, um, setting up that number one contenders tournament. That's a, that's a great fill for TV time. Because you don't know when Tessa's coming back. At least they didn't make it an interim champion. Yeah. And here's the other thing. I'm not saying Tessa's not coming back, but there is speculation that her contract's up in July. Mm. And as we've talked about before, if her contract is coming up, Steve, if this is true, you know AEW and WWE are going to make a play for her. No doubt. She's rehabbed herself a lot in Impact. She's had a good run, a lot of good matches. WWE tries to sign anybody that'll t- that'll take away from anybody else. AEW would obviously love to have her to add to that women's division. So she's definitely going to get offers. It's going to be tough for, to, for Impact to compete with those offers. So definitely something to keep an eye on that, uh, you know, if Tess is able to make the comeback and she might uh, be, end up losing to this uh, number one contender person. That's right. And well, again, I, I don't know if that's for sure. That's kind of the, the scuttlebutt going around. But there is speculation that her contract is coming to an end. And um, it's, it's like you said, it's going to be hard for Impact to, to match offers. Again, yes, they are backed by Anthem. But is Anthem going to throw that money in there to keep the top stars? I mean, they, they didn't view LAX as top names they needed to keep. Maybe Tesla will be different. But I think we're going to find out. Definitely going to be interesting to say. So, but yeah, Tessa's going to get some big offers. To close up the news roundup of the week, Steve, I'm going to classify this as the dirt fucking worst of professional wrestling fans. Mm. Nikki and Brie Bella, Steve, I'm sure you're well aware your good friends have released a book. I'm very well aware as uh, being, you know, one of the founding members of the Bella Army. Absolutely. And in this book, um, Nikki Bella reveals that at the age of 18, she was raped by a high school student that she thought was a friend and then raped again at the age of 16 after being drugged by a college-aged man. In her book, she wrote, um, 
There is the horrible um, offense in the moment, and then there's the shame and blame that follow and feel almost worse than the original pain. When something like this happens to you, you understand the blame the victim mentality, how easy it is to feel shame rather than anger, and how easy it is to feel like you could have stopped it yourself. Now, obviously, Steve, I can't imagine going through anything possibly worse than being raped and not only it happening once and happening twice. Very fucking horrific thing. The reason this is titled the dirt fucking worst of wrestling fans is because of the reaction this has gotten. You, I don't think it's right one, though. <laughs> you have motherfuckers out there. Oh, oh, she's making this up for the book to get publicity and to get a sob story over and all this shit. Just any possible fucking bad take you can imagine is out there. I've never understood the idea of, uh, you know, and people say this anytime this kind of accusation gets made by a woman against anybody, people out there will say, oh, well, she's making it up. And I have never understood the idea. Like, why, why would, why would, why would somebody make that up? What, what do they get out of it? I, 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 nobody's ever really properly answered that question to me. And I don't think they ever will because it's just, I, I, yeah, it's it's horrific. It's uh, just the worst the worst possible thing I can think of. I mean, I, I the thing is, and you know as well as I do that wrestling fans, a lot of the wrestling fans out there, have been looking for reasons to hate the Nikki and Bree as far back as I can remember, and that's kind of part of why I became a big fan of theirs. Because I saw the shit that they kind of had to put, the, I saw the kind of shit they put up with on on the internet uh, from various sources and whatnot. People who are just, you know, talking shit because, oh, well, there's these two beautiful girls that uh, maybe they're not the best wrestlers of all time, but they still get pushed. But you know, you know, you know, there's, you know, how people are. They, anytime an attractive woman gets pushed, there's people who are looking to knock it down because for some kind of weird jealousy bullshit or whatever I never really understood myself but that's kind of part of why I became a big fan of theirs because you know to stand up against those people that just have this such an issue god forbid that a attractive woman actually accomplish anything on her own merits well, they can't imagine it like how could that possibly happen I, I yeah it just yeah, I'm I'm not going to sit there and tell you like I'm the biggest Nikki Bella fan. I don't like bow at the altar. I don't think she's a particularly great wrestler. But just reading all this stuff on how she's a lying bitch that made it all up and how are we supposed to believe her when she fucked John Cena to get to the top and all this fucking bullshit. And it's like, you know, it, just the dirt fucking worst of wrestling fans. And I'm not saying it's every fan out there. No, but not, I just, all, not everyone. I just Probably saw, most ones that listen to us. I would say most ones that listen to us know better. Yeah, but just, I see this reaction, and I just, it's so bad, Steve. And this is, again, why a lot of women don't disclose when they get raped. Because uh-huh. of this fucking no. victim-shaming bullshit, man. And it's just, god damn. And, like, you talked about, like, a woman being successful and how it turns people. Dude, you're lucky you don't moderate the fucking comments on forum oh, because sure. let me tell you, anytime there's a Becky Lynch article, oh, oh my boy. god, the floodgates open. Like she was on that show Billions, and all I could see was 
Good, I hope the fucking bitch leaves. She's no good anyway. She's part of the reason the ratings are down. Yeah, uh, she was all over Raw this week, Steve, which did a record low rating. I'm sure that was her fault. Oh, she's been all over the Raw lately. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you could count her appearances uh, since the pandemic on one hand easily. Yeah. yeah, God forbid a woman get over and get popular and make some money and make a name for themselves. And again, like I said, I'm not going to sit there and tell you I'm a huge Bellas fan. But you know what? They they did a lot more than people like to give them credit for. They did, and I will. And Nikki became a really good pro wrestler. I I don't care what people want to say about about whatever. She became really good in her role and did a good job as a champion, and whatnot. And uh, you know, I and I think a lot of people also form the opinions based off the reality shows and whatnot. And you know, Nikki doesn't come off as well as, as Brie does. Brie comes off like a model citizen, pretty much. And yeah, Brie comes off. God, God to... damn, she married Daniel Bryan for yeah. so. You well, Brie, Brie is out of the two, if we're being honest, comes off as close as you can be to being a normal person that was in the wrestling business. Yeah, people just hate her because she had a few poshes. Yeah, this is what happened there. <laughs> and uh, you know what? And I and I will and I will criticize people for for that as well. You know, I I point out when there's some stuff going on there, but. Uh, you know, here's what it is. For wait, God's wait, sakes. wait a minute. The guy that writes know. the botch column points out botches. I know. That's why I try to do from time to time. What? And for God's sakes, I mean, recently with these shows, and, you know, the botch is more honestly. The botch is kind of holding the show to begin with. Let's be honest. Yeah. And the <laughs> empty arena stuff, as we've talked about, <laughs> has really exposed some people. The booking. I mean, a lot of the booking's been the botch. Seriously. Yeah. Ugh. So, but uh, that is the news roundup again. The dirt worst of wrestling fans to close out on. And again, it's not all of you guys. It's just um, I just really hate to see that shit. And I'll guarantee you that most of the people, most people that listen to us, are not like that. I would like to think so. I'd like to think we have good, uh, good, good young lads and ladies listening to our show that don't believe in this bullshit. That's right. So. Uh, so Steve, we're gonna jump into the regular portion of the Wednesday night Thursday show. AEW Dynamite, May 6th. We are back in Daly's place in Jacksonville. Yeah. JR, Tony, and Excalibur are back on commentary this week. And we start off with Cody facing off with Joey Janela. Cody doesn't believe in taking weeks off. He wants to be primed and ready to go for his big pay-per-view match. He and Joey Janela got some nice time in the opener. They went 13 and a half minutes. Cody Rhodes, of course, picks up the big win via pin here in our opener, Steve. What did you think of our match here? You know, I thought it was a pretty, pretty solid matchup. I thought, uh, you know, Cody pretty much has pretty solid opening matches all the time. You put him in there with anybody, and he'll get a good 13 minutes out of you. But I want to kind of give some credit to, uh, you know, as much as people like to knock Joey Janela, as much as people like to say, oh, this guy is the shits, he's really bad and whatnot, you know, it, People there, I see a lot of negative feedback on Joey Janela online, but I gotta tell you, the man's had some pretty decent matches in AEW. He's had some really good matches too. I mean, the guy just, uh, I, you know, he's got something about him where he just kind of, he gets it done in there. From what I've seen, I don't really understand the hate all that much, but you know, people are gonna hate, I suppose. And I like the fact that they did a lot of stuff, obviously, a lot of big moves, but I like the fact that. And I think somebody was keeping an eye on it this week that there's there's one crossroads and that finished it. I think somebody's I think somebody's reminded somebody to, you know, protect finishers. 
Yeah. So, uh, I really enjoyed this opener. I thought it was really good and competitive. I thought Joey Janela looked really good in there. And uh, this is just a trend of, honestly, Cody is just having, like, good matches with everybody. He yeah, really remember is. people used to knock him for being the three-star general and all that stuff? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a point that, you know, Cody was having some lackluster big matches. But, I mean, that feels like forever ago. Yeah. So, we got a Nyla Rose video package looking at the landscape of the women's division. She arrived for her match. Tony tried to interview her. She called the interview cute and said she is the real dominant force. Told Tony basically to piss off and go do his job because she was going to go do hers. Uh, poor Tony. And she faced off with a young lady named uh, Kenzie Page. Yes, she, a tra- um, trainee of uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Glenn Jacobs and is also trained with Ricky Morton. So uh, good pedigree there. She um she was 18 years old. And she I was 18 term, years old. She was 18 yeah, she, years old because she got she killed. She did. Just over two minutes, uh, Nyla killed her with, fucking crushed her with a top rope swanton, and then killed her with like three power bombs. Yeah, you know it's, uh, yeah, Nyla hasn't been on the show in a while, so it's obvious that the smart thing to do would be be to bring her back and have her kill somebody, which is exactly what she did. Exactly. So um, it's one of those things. It's exactly what it needed to be. And um, they're setting up stuff for the women's division. There's a big match next week. We'll talk about that later on. We got an MJF video package, Steve. Yes, we did. And he's sitting there talking about how young young kids these days are always talking about that they think they're the next big thing. And they can think that all they want, but he's the guy. He's the guy as a 24-year-old kid that has taken the spot that everybody else wants. He's ratings gold. He's a prodigy, and he has it. He's not a kid. He's not the rock. He's not Piper. He's something we've never seen. So when he comes back, his spot on the throne is going to be waiting for him. He's MJF and he's better than you. And not only that, he's injury free and back next week, Steve. There you have it. I'm glad he got the nick out of his neck. It seemed like a, it seemed like a pretty tough issue for the kid to overcome. But I mean, it's easy for him to do because he is MJF. He's better than you. Baron everybody and uh man this is a <laughs> this is a very good promo i mean uh one thing you can always say about mjf is that he is a great freaking talker he really is dude we had a string of fun little promo stuff because we had the mjf stuff then we got a sean spears promo where he was talking about dustin Rhodes career being over and he blamed yeah. cody for it so well, i kind of got a point yeah and i like that they're kind of keeping that alive because it makes sense said that Cody could have... He basically told a story about how he has a brother and he wouldn't do anything to protect his brother and that Cody could have saved Dustin last week, but he didn't. And he pondered if it was because Cody was this selfish or if it was because he wanted the Rhodes legacy all to himself. It's an interesting question. I think Sean made some good points in that promo. And I saw our good friend Jeremy Lambert on Twitter. He seemed a little down on the fact that they're continuing this whole issue between Cody and Sean Spears. But I think if there's one thing we've noticed about AEW so far, it's that, uh, you know, these feuds don't exactly die. There's not like they don't like feud for a month and then they blow it off and then move on to the next thing. Especially a guy like Cody has uh, several MJF, Spears, Darby, Lance. Yeah, he has a lot of issues with a lot of people. 
and they don't just let it die. They, they just they put the slow simmer on it, and the Sean Spears Cody thing has been one of those things where they've had a couple of matches, and it's not dead yet because Sean Spears still does not like Cody. That's and right. uh, I don't blame. And the man did make some good points in that promo where, you know, in fact, I mean, he loves his brother and he wouldn't let anything happen to his brother. But, yeah, Cody just kind of sat there and let Lance Archer kill Dustin. And then we got Sean Spears and MJF together. Yes, they were we back betting at ringside. Tony <laughs> arrived and they even tipped him a little bit of cash. MJF said he could uh, keep it. Well, Sean Spears took it. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> MJF was uh, mocking all the talent, said he was going to be back next week, and he put over Sean Spears for his comments on Cody, which led to Sean Spears praising MJF for his beautiful comeback story, which he claimed was better than any 30 for 30 special. It's quite possible. It's up there. And it was, it's it was in, it's definitely in the conversation. And then Tony Schiavone revealed to MJF that he will compete at double or nothing <laughs> against the Jungle Boy. MJF was not happy. He was not. And here's the thing. Right away, I saw people were pissed. I thought MJF was getting a title shot. Why aren't they giving him a title shot? Okay. <laughs> you want to rush the title shot on three weeks notice during the pandemic with no fans? Absolutely not. No. MJF no, and Jungle Boy way. have a little bit of history. They had a really good TV match a while ago. It's two of the younger guys going. It's a perfect match to give MJF another pay-per-view win and build him up for when we have time, for when we have fans, for him to challenge for the title. Yeah. Plus, they sorted out the title thing yeah. in a little bit anyway. Yeah, I uh, I was not really on the bandwagon of, uh, oh boy, John Moxley needs to face MJF double or nothing. I never thought that for a minute, honestly. No. That seems like the kind of thing that should be put off for down the road. Exactly, especially in the current landscape. Uh-huh. So, uh, speaking of John Moxley, Steve, good segue. John Moxley yeah. faced off with uh, Frankie Kazarian here. Frankie Kazarian with uh, more hair than I've seen in quite a while. Yeah, he was rocking a little little, little buzz cut. Certainly not his Antonio Banderas days, but he was looking for good. No, certainly certainly not. And we kind of forgot that uh, Frankie Kazarian had a pretty good hairline. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, John Moxley and Kazarian, uh, they got plenty of time, 16 and a half minutes. John Moxley, of course, wins. Uh, again, non-title match, but he wins. And Steve, I don't know about you, I thought this was a good competitive match. It was nice to get Moxley back on TV because outside of the Hager thing, he didn't have really any TV time during all this. And I thought Kazarian looked really good, and I thought it was a nice competitive match with the champion to where he loses nothing because he's a tag guy anyway right now, and he was competitive throughout. He was, and uh, Kazarian's one of those uh, veterans who can always give people a tough time. Uh, definitely no doubt about that. And Moxley looked good. He, he And there's another one of his instances where his one paradigm shift that got the win, so I appreciated that. Yeah. And uh, the, the, one th- the one thing I noticed that I it took a while for me to think of it is that uh, John Moxley, Frankie Kazarian, both married the Canadians. How about that? There you go. Yeah, so they got a lot in common, I'm sure. So they probably, uh, I'm sure they probably get along pretty well. That's so right. they had a pretty good match here, I thought. And this is an example of another thing we've talked about during these empty arena shows, Steve, is you can give guys some time, but you have to pick the right guys to give the time to. 
And these two were the right guys. Exactly, because Moxley obviously is the champion. He's very good. As you mentioned, Frankie Kazarian is a longtime veteran. He's a guy that always delivers. I can't remember the last time I've seen a bad Frankie Kazarian match. No, I mean, especially as a point on commentary, he's been part of, you know, SU tag team stuff for a very long time. But, hey, all those matches are pretty good, too. Exactly. So I enjoyed this. I thought it was a good presentation. And then post-match, Steve, this was not all over because the Dark Order's minions attacked. Oh, boy. They attacked John Moxley and Kazarian. SCU tried to make the save. They, they all got beat down. <laughs> and then... The exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, arrived. And by the way, did you notice the minions were abiding by the dress code wearing dress shirts now? I hadn't really. I noticed they were the wearing black that. dress shirts, except for ten because he has to show off his physique. Yeah, and his smudge tattoos. Well, you know, but he has to show off the physique. Well, but, yeah. But I did like that they were wearing black dress shirts instead of like the um, Under Armour shirts now because. I mean, it's a stupid little thing, but it plays off of the dress code vignette. You gotta class things up, that's right. So, but um, Mr. The Exalted One, Mr. Brody Lee, arrived. He lariats Moxley out of his fucking boots. Yes. And then he said he was here to collect on the bounty that Moxley had put on his own head when he said he knew someone was coming for him. He said that there are no fans here and that the dark energy or the only, uh, dark order, the only energy he can feel. The Exalted One, Mr. Brody Lee, is not the same man anymore. He's a leader. He makes lives extraordinary. And he apologizes for his desire to win the AEW Championship and officially challenges Moxley, asking him if he's a scared little boy and he wants an answer. So Moxley, of course, being a psychopathic uh, bastard, basically, just kind of looks up at him and grabs the mic and says, all you had to do was ask. Yeah, I mean, seriously, does John Moxley strike his type guy that will turn down any challenge? So then the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, kicked him in the fucking face. And the minions yeah. beat him down some more. And apparently Brody Lee, uh, Mr. Brody Lee, excuse me, Mr. Brody Lee, uh, left the arena with the uh, AW World Championship belt. That's right, took possession. And you know what they say, possession is nine-tenths of the law. That's right. So uh, what are you thinking of this one? Because I saw some negativity to this one. Um, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of negativity surrounds the fact that it is, in fact, the Dark Order. I know a lot of people decide that Dark Order will always be bad, no matter what. will never be a thing that could work. So people are on that bandwagon. And, uh, you know, it, I, thought it was, I thought it was fine. I, you know, they had the issue of SCU before, so it made sense that they would tag Moxley and tag SCU to wipe them all out. And, you know, it... For a you know for a three week build, I and mean, we talked about how MJF would not be the right guy for a title match on that show because you need a bigger build for that. I think that Brody Lee is a better. I think Brody Lee is a good choice for this kind of build because you can do it real quick. Where there's this big ass motherfucker who uh, used to be in WWE and kicked ass for a long time, never got recognized for it, and now he's getting a chance to do it. So yeah, I think it works. I think it works, too, because, again, like you said, they have to hold off the MJF thing. You can't jump to it right now. The only thing is, is it's like, on one hand, I'm wondering, is it a little too soon for the Brody Lee title shot already? That That is kind of the trepidation I have with it. But, again, what are you going to do otherwise? I mean, because your options are, like, Brody Lee. You could go back to the Jericho mat rematch, but I don't think you want to do that right away. Yeah, I think that's the one you want to put off. And 
Uh, you know, I mentioned Jake Hager might still be in contention, but I think uh, I think uh, with the choices, I'd go with Mr. Birdie Lee. Yeah, and I think it works. I thought the angle came off well. I enjoyed it, and you know, it's a, it's just it's a good heat angle. It's it's basic. It's not reinventing the wheel, and that's why it works. And you know, Mr. Birdie Lee doing the Mr. McMahon impression against John Moxley. Hello. There you go. I think it works. I, the only thing that probably would have made me pop is if uh, when Moxley said all you had to do was ask, if Brody would have looked at him and said, that's good shit, pal. <laughs> Not going to lie, I would have laughed. Yeah, I didn't quite think about that one. If only, if only there had been a script writer there to write that line down. If only Shawn Michaels was there to agent the uh, whole beatdown where he could have written that, written that line for Brody. Well, I mean, if Shawn would have agented it, the beatdown would still be going on. And really, what? Oh, All by the way, well, Sean, I want to bury I want to bury Sean for a minute here because I noticed something that I missed last week in the, in the Keith Lee and Donovan. No, it's Keith Lee Damian Priest match. Yeah, that horrible that horrible segment where uh, Priest has the nightstick and he tries to hit Keith Lee. Lee blocks it, and he says, "I." Am limitless. God, that's so bad. <laughs> that was so bad, man. I missed that one. I missed that because I, I guess I was watching AW at the time at, at the point. But God, is that all they do now? Just teach these people how to fucking do that? I guess. Ugh. Okay. Nah, I mean, sidebar over. Okay. All I'm right. Uh, okay, we got a, a pre-taped Brandy Rhodes video package where she was talking about Jake Roberts and all the messages he has been sending to her and Cody. And she knows a confrontation is coming and that Jake and Lance are going to try to scare her so that Cody will come out to make the save only for them to trap him. She said that's, all, that's old school and it used to work, but it's not 1991 anymore. She's going to fight back. She's an independent woman and says Jake knows of her and knows everybody that she knows, but she is Brandy Rose, the chief brand officer of AEW, and Jake needs to keep his name out her mouth. Well, you know what? I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Yeah, maybe shouldn't have poked the bear on that one. (laughs) Maybe shouldn't have poked the bear on that one, Steve. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Bad, bad, bad look there. I mean, I don't know who told her it's a good idea, but uh, yeah, that's, that that was a bad, bad idea, girlfriend. Don't, don't do that again. No, no, no. So that sets up Lance Archer versus QT Marshall. And her major backup was QT Marshall. How, how do you right. think that's gonna go? Uh, Brandy was at ringside, and Jake was back this week. Yes, he was. He had a he had a mask which he wore from time to time. That's right. So the match goes just under eight minutes uh, with commercial, and this is Lance Archer killing QT Marshall with a couple hope spots. Yeah. And um, it was exactly what it needed to be. I like this because, Steve, it's a natural match to make. The story here, as we all know, is Lance Archer wants Cody Rhodes. He wants to destroy him for Jake Roberts. He almost killed Dustin Rhodes just to get to him because he won in the tournament last week. Yeah. And now he kills young QT Marshall, who is basically family to Cody in this whole story. It's simple. It works. It's a solid squash that played into the story really well. Again, we're not reinventing the wheel. I'm not saying they're doing anything, you know, oh my God, this is so great. What I'm saying is 
it made sense. It works. It was good. It's basic, simple storytelling is what it is. I mean, yeah, they're not reinventing the wheel. They're not inventing things. They're not, you know, making you jump through hoops or whatever. It is Lance uh, Archer destroying everybody that Cody loves is what's going on here. Which, um, and during this match, there was a part where, um, on the floor, fucking, uh, Britt Baker has had her shoe out. The doctor, Dr. Uh, Britt. Dr. Britt, and she, uh, yes. hit QT, and Brandy took her shoe and chucked it into the stands. See, that's a, you know what, Brandy also, that, that's also a bad move. Why are you, why are you messing with Dr. Baker? And why so. Why are you trying to do that? And this was a bad news for, bad move for a reason, because after the match, Britt Baker attacked Brandy Rhodes and laid her out with a DDT on the floor and rolled her in the ring. That's right. All for stealing her shoe. But yeah. the, but but hang well, on. Well, I mean, uh, uh, if somebody stole your shoe, wouldn't you want to DDT them? I don't blame. Her. Well, listen, I only got one leg, so kind of yeah. I mean, damn right. <laughs> but anyway, this is why this works. They set it up during the match, and it's always set up for Jake Roberts to embarrass Brandy with the snake. But the other thing that it does is. It eliminates the need for the man-on-woman violence. Lance Archer doesn't have to touch Brandy. Jake doesn't have to touch her. They do the gimmick with the snake. You came a little too close to touching her. Let's be honest. Well, you know what I mean. Stuff. There's some weird stuff going on there. Yeah, know. Jake was like a little questionable, a little, a little straddling her a bit with a the little snake. Iffy. A little, yeah. little Legends of Wrestling moment there. But anyway, I think Jake might have had a little. Of, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that is rehearsed or whatnot. But uh, <laughs> Jake might have some ideas there. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So, but uh, Cody never comes out to make the save, but I will say Jim Ross on commentary had a good cover because he explained that due to the social distancing and the stuff they have to do, that the locker rooms are actually in the stadium and not in Daly's place. <laughs> Cody still came off like a bitch though. Let's be honest. Well, I mean, sure. But what I'm saying yeah, is, like I'm saying at least they tried to cover it. They tried to explain it. They tried to cover for the guy because, you know, Cody's one of the co-owners, you know. They got to try to cover the guy. But for God's sakes, Cody, your brother got destroyed the week before. And uh, now your wife is getting laid out and having a snake put on her and all this shit. And you're not going to do anything about it. And Sean Spears has another promo that he can cut next week. There you go. Damn right. So, I mean, come on, Cody. Stand up for your people. They they, they stick up for you, but, you know, you want to stick up for them. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, uh, man, this was a, yeah, this was one of those old school wrestling things that I, I'm sure will get a lot of backlash online because people don't like old school wrestling stuff anymore. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, you know, laying a woman out and putting snake on her, that's a little iffy. That's on the borderline, right? On the borderline. Yeah, but, I'm sure, I'm, it's going to get heat for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, not and good heat, you know what I mean. People are going to Some people over will complain. I, I'm t- I will say that, man, if they do that in front of a crowd, in front of the right crowd, there could be a riot. Yeah. There could be there could be people rushing the ring, I'm telling you. It, it, wouldn't be, it might not wind up too well for Jake the Snake, but... Uh, and uh, you know, then I, I, I did not personally witness this myself, but I heard people talking about how Jake the... Jake the snake stepped on the snake's tail, which I, I don't know. Maybe Jake's not used to handling snakes at this point in his life. I I don't know. Who the hell it's probably knows? been a little while for him. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, you might get the PETA people upset. I I don't know. It's, but t- to me, it was good uh, wrestling heat for me, in my opinion. I I thought it worked. 
Yeah, it's definitely just adding more heat on this shit. Definitely advancing the angle well. So, Steve, set for double or nothing right now is the exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee, facing off with our champion, John Moxley, for the AW Championship. The Jungle Boy versus MJF. Cody versus Lance Archer to determine the first TNT champion. And we're going to have what they're calling a casino ladder match. With a shot at the tag team titles on the line. With uh, details to come on that next week, they said. Okay. I mean, I I understand it. But at the same time... I feel like I've seen enough ladder matches at this point in my life. Yeah, the, we've had a lot of ladder matches this year, especially WWE. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They have been running the ladder match gimmick into the freaking ground. I mean, that WrestleMania one where they killed uh, the Uso. Now he's hurt, so, oh, that's great. Wonderful. Now they're getting the money in the bank ladder matches and whatnot. Who knows what that's going to be like. <laughs> and uh, now AEW's going to have one, so I, I don't know. I mean, honestly... You know, the ladder match was a great gimmick back in its day, but now it's gotten to the point where most of the spots are so convoluted and whatnot that I would also be be happy if I never saw another one. I could live the rest of my life without, without seeing a ladder match, to be honest. I don't blame you, Steve. Yeah. Done. So Done with it. we went backstage. Taz tried to interview Darby Allen. <laughs> and Darby was not in a talking mood, so Taz talked about his loss to Cody last week. Noting that he thought he made some mistakes and that he wanted to help. Mm. Darby was not thrilled with this, got pissed off and left. Darby's not, not he's not the kind of guy who likes to have help. I can, I can see that. I can understand that. But, you know, I think Taz would be a good guy to listen to. So maybe down the road, if, if Taz could break through as a young, to young kid, I think, I think Taz has a lot he could teach that guy. So I will say, Steve, that the only problem I have with that is is the last time that Taz tried to help take somebody to the top, Samoa Joe ended up with a penis face of uh, penis face paint and really shitty pants. Well, Darby already has face paint and shitty, shitty pants, so I don't think it'll bother. I don't think I'll, I don't think it'll be a problem. All right, that's actually a fair point. I'll give you that one. Yeah. So next week. We have set for our show the return of MJF. Yeah. The exalted one, Mr. Brody Lee versus Christopher Daniels, a very natural match to build coming out oh, of the Dark Order. Christopher stuff. Daniels. Uh, did anybody check on Christopher Daniels after he got uh, destroyed on the stage, by the way? I don't know. Um, he the- was laying there almost as long as the big show did on that uh, Hog Wild show. <laughs> Remember that? The giant, when he got laid out in the Hog Wild show, he laid there for like 20 minutes. So. I thought he was dead. We also have, Steve, the Best Friends versus the Jurassic Express. Yes. And then Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford versus Dr. Britt Baker versus Chris Statlander. Ooh. Ladies like action, yeah. Way. And That's then have some contendership status, too. Yeah. Lance Archer and Jake Roberts are going to have an interview. And then a match that was made right before this main event. Because before our main event started, Steve... That fucking miscreant, Pineapple Pete, tried to assault Chris Jericho. Yeah, I noticed that. And my whole comment on that, okay, Pineapple Pete, he wants to be a miscreant. He wants to attack Chris Jericho. Where the fuck was he when Brandy Rhodes got a snake put on her? Why wasn't he jumping up to attack Lance Archer, Jake Roberts? Because he's a bitch. 
That's well, that's what I had to say about that. Like, yeah, why don't you grow some balls and actually stop something bad from happening? Well, listen. No, dude, you got to be an asshole try to get yourself hang on. over. Listen, okay. if I had the choice of two people to attack and they were Chris Jericho and Lance Archer, no offense well, to Jericho, I'm going to go after Chris Jericho. I'm just saying Pete should grow some balls. Is what I'm saying. Well, he's going to have a chance to show some balls next week because he is battling late champion Chris Jericho next week. Well, I think Jericho's going to kill him. A main event anywhere in the country, Steve. Absolutely. Uh, definitely in Albany. Rudy Penguin back me up on that. Definitely in <laughs> Albany. Would be uh, Pineapple, Pineapple Pete and Chris Jericho. Definitely. No doubt, no doubt about that. But, oh my gosh, this match. <laughs> main event of the evening. It is a street fight falls count anywhere match. Matthew Hardy making his AEW debut, tagging with Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, known as Les Sex Gods, Steve. Yes. This match goes 19 and a half minutes. It features Matt Hardy going from Broken Matt Hardy to Hardy Boys Matt Hardy to Damascus Matt Hardy. It features golf carts, a man being thrown into an ATM, Matt Hardy being trapped in an ice machine. <laughs> Um, ladder spots with tables. Um, Chris Jericho being Negan from The Walking Dead with a fucking baseball bat. Kenny Omega moonsaulting off of a fucking scissors lift. Yeah. The inner circle all getting involved and reuniting on screen for the first time in months. Yes. And they end up beating down Kenny and Matthew. And there's a, they sit there, they powerbomb him on a golf cart. By the way, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara were ran down by this golf cart at various points during the match. I thought Sammy fucking died off that. Jesus Christ. He took an amazing bump. (laughs) Sammy dies once a week on this show. He really does. He is a fucking all-star, Steve. So at the end of the day, the inner circle overcomes like sex gods win as Jericho hits the Judas effect. On Kenny and Steve, what did you think of this whole fucking rigmarole, dude? I think we have a new match of pandemic. I think we do. I think we do because this thing was this is amazing. These four guys were out of their freaking minds. They really were. They were just going crazy all over the all over the football stadium, all over the Bailey's play, all over where, wherever the hell they were. They're just going completely nuts. And you could tell they're having time in their lives. You had Chris Jericho with a traffic cone on his head, you know, laughing like a maniac. You could tell they're having a great time. <laughs> Kenny Omega doing a moonsault off a of, that moonsault had no room for error, and fortunately there was no error because for God's sakes that man could have died. <laughs> well, not only did he hit a beautiful moonsault, but it, like you're saying, the guys were there. The catch was perfect. It was yeah, so good. that that could have gone wrong. The that's one of those moves where nine out of ten times it goes wrong, and that was the the one time it went right. So God bless Kenny Omega for that. It's fantastic. You had Sammy Omega again, Sammy Guevara getting killed by a golf cart. That was amazing. Ugh, just a lot, of, a lot of great stuff here. A lot of good shit, as Vincent would say. Just I, I was a big fan. I loved it. It it, it was an absolute blast to watch. It was. At times filled with ridiculous plunder, but I mean that in a good way because yes, it, exactly. it, it, it never it never allowed this to get boring. It never allowed it to get slow. And I think even more importantly than the fact that it was really good and a total like just so much fun, it continued to advance the whole inner circle versus elite thing. 
Omega Which, shattered some kind of sign over Jericho's back is awesome. Yeah, I mean it's just <laughs> I enjoyed the hell out of this. It was it was a lot of fun. I know it's gonna be one of those matches that people are probably not gonna like for whatever reason. I don't know why because it was so much fun, but I enjoyed the hell out of it and um, just a really really fun way to end this show. Definitely, yeah, great ending to the show and. You know, the, the, the inner circle posing in front of the scoreboard with their logo. Oh, it's great. Good it's, stuff. It I, was I, nice I, to see the lads reunited. They looked so happy. Yes, it was. I mean, good people. All of them. The bubbly bunch has is, is all gotten back together. That's Although right. we did not get to see any Chris Jericho's hounds. Well, unfortunately not. I don't know if they were cleared to be in the building. but Well, Jake Roberts got a snake in there. Well, I don't think he passed that through security. I think he kind of snuck that in. <laughs> <laughs> he's a sneaky bastard. He really is. Yes. Well, he's Jake Roberts, Steve. So yeah, yeah. So that's AEW for the night. So we jump over to NXT, also May six, two thousand twenty. And let's see here. We start off with Jonathan Gargano versus Dominic Dijakovic, Steve, which was set up last week. We got new music for Johnny. That's right. He's uh, again. Was... We're working into the new Johnny gimmick as well as the new Candice gimmick. I gotta tell you, I was disappointed because I wanted him to have that song for the rest of his life. <laughs> no matter what his gimmick was, I wouldn't just come out of that. Did you want him to do like the Sami Zayn when Sammy kept his music and then came out and danced ironically to mock people? Yes. Okay. That's why I want. <laughs> so that's why I wanted. So they got about 14 minutes, Steve, here. And at the end of the day, Johnny Gargano won with his slingshot DDT after some shenanigans with uh, Candace here. And uh, what did you think? It's now called the last beat after that match he had with, uh, after that wonderful match he had with uh, Thomas Ciampa, which we both loved, right? Sure. We loved that, didn't we? Sure, they can call it whatever they want. They can call it whatever they want. Yeah, that's what they did. And... Yeah. Perfectly decent little matchup. Um, can I continue the story where Johnny G is trying to remake NXT or trying to rebuild NXT or what he's trying to do? And Candice there. And uh, Mr. Dijakovic. I hate that. Na- Why can't he just be Dijak? Why is he be Dijakovic? I, like I, I, I asked the same question, Steve. I never sure, got a good that's answer. Stupid. I don't, I don't understand it, but uh, you know, he's going through this losing streak gimmick right now, which will build him up. Is what I'm always told. Once they, well, they're gonna lose a bunch of matches, but they'll be rebuilt or something. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, we'll see, but uh, you know, it was fine. I thought it was a good match. I enjoyed the match, and it was similar to the Candice match last week where it was used to solidify the new Johnny Gargano. But the one thing I didn't like about it was that in week one already, with Candice being out there and all the distraction stuff, I already feel in week one that Johnny feels like a really cliche heel already. Mm, yeah. Like, Candice's match was different because Johnny wasn't involved. He was just doing the over-the-top ring announcing and stuff. And, yeah, I don't know. It's just, that didn't set with me good. But I liked the match, and I thought it was good. I thought they worked hard. And we'll see what the hell they do with Dijakovic going forward. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he's probably going to keep wrestling Keith Lee. I guess. <laughs> That's kind of, gosh, I, I'm already cutting into one of my criticisms about the show as a whole, about the brand as a whole. It's like, back in the day when NXT was you know, really doing some really good stuff. 
it was uh, kind of one of the key secrets of it was the fact that these people would move on to other things. They wouldn't be in NXT forever. And now they are. Yep. You know what I'm saying? You, you yeah. can't want to say that. Right? Like, back, these people that are here forever. Yeah, it kind of goes back to the creative thing you mentioned earlier. Yeah, yeah. So. Imperium challenged Matt Riddle and Thatcher for the tag team titles the next week. Which, I enjoyed the uh, playing of the theme during the promo. I like that. I which, like that. That's good stuff. Which led to one of our first uh, Cruiserweight tournament match of the night. Akira Tozawa defeating Jack Gallagher in 345 via pin. And, you know, Tozawa <laughs> can't buy a fucking win on Monday nights, but you can't fuck with the man on Wednesday. No, no. I noticed that the Cruiserweight matches got a lot less time this week. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that the match was short, obviously, and that it was okay for the time given. They worked really hard, but you can only ask for so much in 345, and they I think they did their best. And I don't know if we discussed this yet, but how do you feel about Jack Gallagher's uh, front tattoo? His tattoos are a fucking mess, dude. Okay, that's why I thought too. I I was just looking at it like, what the fuck? He returned on 205 Live with those, and I was like, First he came out, I'm like, who the fuck is... I'm like, well, that's too pale... No, that's Jack Geller. Holy shit. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a choice, brother. He looks like... You know what happened is I think he took a couple weeks off, and then I think he went down to the docks to find some work, and he went on to Bender, and that's how he woke up. So, okay, this leads to another question I, I just thought of. Because I remember an interview that Rhea Ripley did, who appears later on, where she said that apparently any tattoos that she had... Would have to be approved by uh, WWE. Any tattoos especially. that are going to be visible, yes. Yeah, especially, yeah, visible ones on Who the, the fuck greenlit those, then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. She wants to be all tattooed up, which, God bless her, that's what she wants to do. But, yeah, exactly. Jack Gallagher comes out here. He's got his whole fucking chest all tatted up like, okay, it's fine, whatever. I'm just, there's got to be, there's some serious double standards going on here, is what I'm saying. Yep, because I, nobody in their right mind would agree with that. Yeah. Well, it's like Paige, you know, she ended up with that uh, chest tattoo that she wanted to get when she was a competitor, and that yeah. was shot down quickly. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> that was a total diva storyline. Okay, yeah, so the girls aren't allowed to get tattooed, but the men, that's, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You, you have to be grandfathered in like Lita when she came in with that giant arm tattoo. Yeah, which helped her really stand out and was made her unique. And I remember but God forbid it may be unique nowadays. And I remember a bunch of old a bunch of the eighties women's wrestlers talked about how Lita would never get over as a baby face with a giant tattoo like that. And that's uh, that's exactly how she got over, so <laughs> no. yeah, there you go. <laughs> she was she was different. She had the fiery red hair and she yeah. had the uh thong and the arm tattoo and was totally different. Mm-hmm. God forbid that. It wouldn't get over for God's sake. Not, not like Fabulous Mula back in the day. So next up, Steve, we had Chelsea Green and Xylee. Oh, boy. They worked for a couple seconds. Aaliyah arrived, distracted her, got involved. And then Chelsea Green hit what I would like to call a really shitty and heavily edited unprettier because they did about five camera cuts on the finish. It was terrible. My question is, first of all, Chelsea Green wins in a minute and ten seconds. Number one, why is Aaliyah and Xylee still continuing? And number two, can we please get Chelsea Green a fucking finish that she can execute properly? Uh, I, I have I have no idea whether it's uh, whether it's Chelsea Green just cannot do the move 
or if it's that nobody wants to take the move. I'm not sure what's going on. It's 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 not good. It's a bad thing. It's in the botch column. I've seen her hit the move. She used to hit it regularly all the time in Impact with no problem. I don't know if the like uh, the NXT people are just scared to take it or whatever the fuck the deal is, but it's it's not good. It's a bad time. And this was like one of those. This is one of those old school diva divas matches. Honestly, can I be honest? It was like an old school divas matches that went went a minute and was terrible. So it's bad. Post match, I know you like Zia Lee, but eh, I, well, I like Zia, but no, you're. I'm not saying you're wrong, Steve. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it was a match. They did nothing. It had a shitty finish, and it's, <laughs> yeah. So again, and I, now I, Robert Stone can add Aaliyah to his state. Oh yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll help. Which, well, you know what? Here's the here's the good news for Robert Stone. The good news is, is that means he has a job for the next ten years since Aaliyah's been in developmental for like ten years already. Yeah, and she ain't going much. anywhere. How's that going? Yeah. Now she's developing. <laughs> she's there. You know, and Chelsea Green, I have said before, Chelsea Green, she's very pretty. Yes. She's very, very pretty. But I think that has tricked some people into thinking that, oh, she's got an awesome character. And no, oh, she's she is so far ahead of the game as far as character and stuff goes. And obviously she should get a tremendous push. You know what? And I don't like to necessarily play this game, but to kind of back up your point, it's like, um, I know Deanna wanted to get released anyway, but it says something when you release Deanna Peraza, who is a really great pro wrestler, and Chelsea Green is still on national TV fucking up her finish. Yeah. Yes, it does. And I, I swear the girl had some potential at some point. It looked like it to me. I have no clue what's what's happened. I will give this match three positives, Steve. Number one, Chelsea Green is very pretty. Yes. Number two, Zia Lee is very pretty. Number yes. three, you asked what Aaliyah developed into. This week she developed into some leather pants. Well, there you have it. That's, I'm sorry, guys. I'm this not is trying, old school Divas Division is yeah. what we're saying here. But what I'm saying is I'm not trying to be a sexist pig here, but the match wasn't good in any way. And I'm sorry. I don't understand, like, with all due respect to Chelsea Green, I'm sure she's a lovely young woman from everything I've heard. Sure. But the fact is, how are you still getting fucking TV matches when you can't hit your own goddamn finish? I mean, at least she actually hit it the right way up this time, unlike the one week where she hit it the wrong way. I think it's a combination of her not paying attention to what her opponent is doing and her opponent not wanting to take the finish. <laughs> Like, they don't want to drop down their face. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Steve. Velveteen Dream cut a promo. He he said uh, he was going to win the NXT championship. He's still around. Great. Yeah. Wonder how that worked out for him. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Karrion Cross made his in-ring debut. Um, he has a cool entrance. Scarlett Bordeaux was interviewing for Lip Sync Battle during the entrance. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a very unique entrance. Yeah. And I think a lot of people will love it, and they will demand that he be pushed to championship immediately. And Scarlett is also a very pretty girl, but the lip syncing kind of killed it for me. I'm not gonna lie. Okay, so Scarlett it killed it. Yeah, Scarlett's at ringside is carrying cross battles. Young Leon Ruff of Evolve fame. By the, the way, by the way, of note, the referee in the match is the uh, former indie wrestler Aja. You know, that's Leon's uh, girlfriend. So, so she, we had uh, two couples out there yeah. fucking around. And hang on, here's the best part. She got to watch her boyfriend get murdered with approximately 93 Saito suplexes in 45 seconds. 
as yeah. uh, Carrion Cross locked on these cross jacket summation for the win. The killer um, Carrion Cross. Yes. Yeah. I um I, I joke about. I mean, he only hit like three or four sides, but they were nasty as shit. Leon took great bumps for him, and sometimes we talk about this, Steve. Again, like the Nyla Rose thing. This was exactly what it needed to be for Cross's debut. Yeah. A simple to the point domination. He got over his two big moves, which are the Saito suplexes and his submission. Yeah, it was fine. I mean, I had no problem with the match. The man killed a man. That's exactly what he should have done. And the, uh, the best part about his entrance was is when the bell rang, all the fog was still in the ring. <laughs> so he was murdering Leon Ruff in the sea of in-ring fog. Yeah. And it was yeah, that is great. Pretty good. So Matt, I don't Riddle, know. how do you feel about the lip syncing? Uh, the lip syncing didn't do anything for me. I mean, the the thing is, like, I know Scarlett can actually sing, but um, it was came off she as can't a little sing. odd. That's true. Yes. Came off as a little odd, but anyway, I thought the cross debut looked great because he just killed a man. I feel like it's going to be a kind of thing where the entrance is most of the act. Could be. I hope it's not because I think you know the guy's got a lot of potential. And I'm a little partial Scarlet, obviously, but uh, you know, I hope it's I hope it works once we go live with all these things and doing these things in front of live audiences. I I hope it works, but I don't know. The, the, yeah, the lip syncing, I I, I I I can't get over that. I'm sorry, I can't get over. I can't get over one do this sing along karaoke. Where the hell that was? Yep, a little lip sync battle going on in the NXT arena. Yeah, I just I I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure Shanta is great. So we have the NXT women's title match coming up next, Steve, here. The champion Charlotte battling Io Shirai. Charlotte. And, what's that? Charlotte, the monster. Yeah. There you go. Lady Big Dog. Lady Big Dog. So You don't need Roman Reigns when you got Charlotte Flair. Let's that's go. right. You got the real Big Dog right there. So. <laughs> Damn right. Appearing on multiple shows, killing people. But uh, Oh, yeah. They worked uh, 10 minutes and 40 seconds. They had yeah. what I felt was a good and enjoyable match that led to a flat finish when Charlotte uh, got DQ'd for attacking with a kendo stick. Yeah, and, I mean, shades of the... Was it the Ronda Rousey match where she yeah. had the kendo stick? Yeah. So She starts attacking Io's knee until Rhea Ripley, who... Guess what, everybody? She's not in fucking Australia. How about that? How's, how's that work out for you? I mean, yeah. she's only been on Instagram telling everybody she's not in Australia. So that well, the- I mean, maybe she could appear on the show once or twice, you know, while she's done because she's not in Australia. I guess that kind of debunks that she lost the title because she had to go back to Australia, Myth. So, okay, so why'd she lose the title? Lady Big Dog. They think, right. they think Charlotte is going to improve the ratings. How's that going? Um, Actually, Steve, factually, it's not going well. She's not improving the ratings. Okay. And you know what's going to piss people off even more? What's that? Do you know who have improved the ratings? Who have? Um, there's a young lady um, and a bunch of gentlemen on AEW. Um, Penelope yeah. Ford, the best friends yeah. in Orange Cassidy. Penelope Ford and the best friends in Orange Cassidy are ratings draws. I, I'm not surprised. They have, they have shown um, ratings I love all these people. I think yeah. great. They were notable at missing from this episode, which I, yeah, I like them all. So but but I, you know what? I like that they weren't on this week because they were used a lot on those tape shows. They were. And yeah. you need a week off plus they're back next week. 
They will be, yeah. So that's the thing. I think that was smart to hold him off. He had to mix in some of the new bodies and stuff. and Yeah. Yeah. But um, but no, anyway. that does not surprise me at the range trials. I I understand that completely because yeah. they're awesome. But 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 I was told Lady Big Dog was gonna improve the ratings and lead NXT to peak viewership. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see whether it happens this week or not. Uh, I mean, with the ten man match with Io Shirai, which you know, I, I gotta tell you, I think I probably had my hopes up a little too high for that match because I'm a big fan of Io Shirai. And we 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 rip on the female big dog, but she is a good wrestler. Oh, so we I never said that, she wasn't. Yeah, yeah, she's a she is a good wrestler. So we're not yeah. knocking her for that, and just uh, her booking as a lady big dog. Yeah. But I expected, I think my expectations were a little too high, and yeah, the finish kind of sucked. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and I'm still wondering, you know, if Rhea Ripley has not been in Australia this whole time, why why was she not uh, there before? Like why weren't Why weren't they at least recording some interviews with her or something? Doing something with her uh, over the over the past month since she lost the women's championship. You could have done something with her if if she is in fact in America, which apparently she is. Like, I don't I, I don't get it. I didn't get her wearing the fucking anime costume either. So I it may just just all beyond my level of knowledge. Well. Again, I agree. You know, the finish is flat, but I will say the good news is with the finish is that Charlotte didn't beat EO. So she's not beaten clean and shuffled off. Oh, and, she beat her, pretty much. But with uh, Rhea back in, I think it does give us some fun possibilities match-wise moving forward. So Triple threat ladder match? Oh, God, Steve, no. <laughs> Let's just go to hell, no. We need more ladder matches, apparently. I mean, what, 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 what am I being told? Need more ladder matches. So we go to the back to the cruiserweight uh, tournament gimmick. Kushida yeah. defeated Jake Atlas in three minutes. <laughs> now, it was fine for three minutes. I'm sure it was. But these are two guys that deserved more time because they're really good. And this was something to me that I'll talk about later, which came across as a negative on the show, which was the treatment of the cruiserweight tournament. I remember Kushida's getting some good money. So I'm, that was why I'm here. I hope so as well. Him Finn, and Nakamura are both in that plan, right? Yeah, I guess. Finn yeah. Balor cut a promo and says he knows that people come after the top dog to get a push. Whoever attacked him won't get a push. They're going to get squashed. He was well, suppo- that's right, because <laughs> Finn Balor's not the top dog. <laughs> <laughs> he um was supposed <laughs> to return this week and tell us who attacked him, and he didn't. Uh, you know, uh, when I, uh, I know when Finn Balor got sent back down to NXT... It's supposed to be like Finn Balor working on Broadway. It's supposed to be Finn Balor with you know a direction, whatnot. He has been as uh, he has been as useless on this show as he's been on the other shows. He's been a guy. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, I I don't hate the guy. I mean, he does some good stuff in the ring from time to time, but he is, like you said, a guy. So next up, Cameron Grimes defeated Denzel Desjardins with the cave-in in about 20 seconds. Denzel Dej... What? Denzel Desjardins. Oh, that's a wonderful name. <laughs> so, which led to Grimes, Grimes cutting a promo. You know that's going to get changed. Don't oh, worry yeah. about it. But uh, Grimes cut a promo saying that someone beat him to attacking Finn Balor because he'd slap him in the face if he had a chance. Yeah. So, so Finn Balor casually saunters out and... Says he wants Grimes to slap him, and Grimes says he was joking around, and Finn Balor beat his ass and sent him packing, which is going to lead to a match next week. 
where Finn Balor beats his ass again and sends him packing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, next week we have Finn Balor versus Cameron Grimes and Imperium challenging for the tag team championships against Matthew Riddle and his good bro, Timothy Thatcher. That should be a good match. I, I like the Imperium, Imperium promo this week. I hated that fucking newlywed game thing they did. That was terrible. Yes. But the, the, this week was better. That was better build for the match. The more you can leave Matt Riddle out of a building a match, I think is better, to be honest. Fair enough. I know y'all. I know some people love Matt Riddle tweeting about people and whatnot, but uh, I, I'd rather have other people talking about Matt Riddle. I'd just rather watch Matt Riddle have great wrestling matches. That's all I really want. Yeah, sure. I mean, to be honest with you. So so we're at our main event of the evening, Steve, for the NXT World Championship. It is Adam Cole, baby, defending against the Velveteen Dream. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. The one thing that I like about the whole pandemic era and all these empty arena shows is motherfuckers not treating Adam Cole like a baby face. <laughs> I like enough. that. I like that. He's a heel now. We don't have people going, baby, every time Adam Gold does anything. It's, uh, I like it. I, okay. uh, I think it's great for him. Well, except Kyle O'Reilly can't work the shows, which is kind of a downer. But uh, other than that, I think Adam Cole is much more palatable in this particular time frame where we don't have people treating him like a baby face. Fair enough. So, Steve, we got our main event of the evening. Adam Cole defeated the Velveteen Dream at 10 minutes and 15 seconds. Dexter, As you Lo- Dexter Loomis and the Undisputed Error got involved. Oh, God, that's terrible. Your close personal friend, Dexter Loomis. And, <laughs> Not um, mine. <laughs> so I will disavow knowledge of that. <laughs> Cole ends up retaining this. And my first thoughts were, number one, thank God Adam Cole retained the title. Yeah. Secondly, I think the match started off hot. It kind of faded after the commercial break. It was perfectly solid. But it didn't feel like a big-time NXT title match in any way. It didn't feel like a big main event in any way. didn't even feel like a particularly good TV main event in any way because I never bought into Dream winning. Even after all the build, I didn't think all the extracurricular activities with uh, the Creepy Bastard and the Undisputed Era helped. And it it was fine. It wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't good. It was there. And all I could think of when we were over is, can we just go ahead and move on from Velveteen Dream now as far as the title picture goes? If you compare it to what's going on the other channel, oh, yeah, not even close. Oh, you know, it was, it was a basic, uh, simple title match, and it was okay, I guess. Like you said, it didn't, did not have that big time feel. And maybe if you have like an XT takeover Tampa Bay or something like that, maybe people are really heavy into Velveteen Dream there, and maybe it gets over, maybe it's a good piece of business. But you know, with all with all it's gone down, and even before that, I was not very high on Velveteen Dream. I know a lot of people out there were. I never really saw it as much as some people did. I was just ready for us to move on for that and from that and i i hope that's what happens adam cole moves on to the next challenger whoever that who the hell is his next challenger i have no clue right now steve uh, do you who is being built up for adam cole's next challenger steve at this point with our no luck idea. at this stage in the pandemic empty arena show era it's probably going to be fucking dexter loomis for all i know that would be terrible so <laughs> That would be, yeah, that would be terrible. That would not be good. By the I, way, so yeah. 
I yeah. talked about the cruiserweight stuff, and I I feel like this show to me felt like they really soured on it. But mm-hmm. of course, I'm already getting blowback into comments from a guy. They sure. didn't sour on it. On a show that featured several other matches that were more important on paper, the cruiserweights were given enough time to do what they needed to do. Not every Remember. match needs to be a five-star classic, for fuck's sake. How well, many five-star classics have we had from this whole thing? Yeah, Maybe give the fucking to- tournament that's allegedly going to be crowning this interim champion a little more than three minutes of fucking peace. Okay? Especially when the other... I. I mean, the whole thing about the this whole show is nothing got any time. <laughs> Nobody, I mean, yeah, okay, yeah, Gargano and Dijakovic got some time. Nobody else did. Yeah, well. <laughs> Steve, it's time for the old head-to-head comparison for the week. Final thoughts on a winner for the week, my friend. <sighs> well, yeah. Uh, I uh, I'm sound like a broken record to be honest with you because I give the nod to AW every single week, but uh, AW had a kick-ass main event which I loved, which might be my favorite match of the pandemic era. It was fucking, it was awesome. I loved it. There were some, yeah, even the stuff with it that was stupid worked. Like somehow Kenny Omega hit that moonsault and it actually worked. I can't. I, I still don't know how it worked. But Sammy it did. Guevara didn't die off the golf cart. Golf cart yeah, Sammy, Sammy didn't die somehow. I don't know how that didn't happen, but it, it happened. So everything worked for that match. It was freaking great. And you had the kick-ass, old-school kind of angle with uh, you know with Lance Archer and Jake and Brandy, and I know that's going to get a lot of blowback too. But I thought it worked. I liked it. I was down with it. It didn't make Cody look like a bitch, but that's fine. You know, it is what it is. I thought it's good stuff. And and nothing I saw in NXT stacks up to any, any of that. Even, you know, the, the opener of Cody and Janela was freaking great, too. So, AEW got the easy nod for me this week, from what I could tell. Yeah, because WD's kind of stuck in this formula right now, where it's like the old school TNA Impact with six matches in an hour, where we got have a bunch of people come out there and get their shit in. Not really get the shit on. It shouldn't just have a bad finish, apparently. So, I don't know. I was... You know, the Scarlet Pillar Cross debut was interesting. But that's all I got. Fair AEW. enough. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm going AEW pretty easily this week. I thought Dynamite was a really enjoyable show. We got some fresh faces back on the live return. They started turning the focus solely to the pay-per-view build. I thought we got a lot of good to really good wrestling. Um, I thought the right people won to advance angles. thought they also set up next week really well, which is also important in uh, episodic TV. NXT going in, I thought, <clears throat> looked like a really strong show on paper. But it only ended up being solid. I thought that the booking of the Cruiserweight tournament was really poor because... They gave them no time, and it felt like they they soured on those guys. And it's like if you're to do the fucking tournament, you can't do that. I just I don't know. I guess it was important to get Chelsea Green on TV for three minutes so she could fuck her finish up. I thought the main event under delivered, and overall, I thought that going in, I thought this was a show that had a lot of potential. But I think when you look at the layout and what we ended up getting, it just didn't deliver that. So yeah, I, I go AEW and it's just, um, I know some people are going to get upset, 
But, I mean, it just is what it is, man. I just... I like good wrestling. I don't care who gives it to me. And I think AEW is just doing a much better job at this point. And I forgot to mention the Moxley Kazarian match in my whole diatribe there, which was also really good. So, you know, you had a few... You had a couple really good matches and a really good angle on AEW. And next, he had a bunch of uh, stuff and one good angle. Yeah, I just... um. (laughs) And, you know, we've talked about this. We talked about this a lot. There's there's a lot of stuff with the NXT brand that feels like it's missing to a point. And I felt a couple weeks yeah. ago that they were kind of getting back into the more basic streamlined shows where things felt like they were going places nicely. And they got to this week's show, which I thought was built up pretty well. It looked like it show on paper. It did, yeah. And uh, I guess in the famous words of certain people, Steve, and then the bell rang. And then the bell rang. That's right. But uh, like I pointed out earlier, uh, we were talking about where back in the day when NXT was at its best, it had talent that was you know working their way through to move on to bigger and better things. And nowadays, we have talent that just kind of stays there forever. Like, you know, Johnny Gargano has been there forever. There's no evidence he's going to move on anywhere. Adam Cole's been there forever. He's not going to move on anywhere. Tommaso Ciampa doesn't want to go anywhere. So there's just a lot of of NXT main event talent that's just not going to go anywhere. Which kind of clogs up the works and... uh, it makes it really tough to build new stars. It does. Yeah, I don't know. It's just uh, I'm. You know, I, I know people get all upset about it, but I'm sorry. It's just NXT is lacking in certain areas. I, I thought the show was fine. It's not bad. And don't get me wrong, because there are people out there that are trying to tell you like NXT is like a bad show every week. It's not bad. It's just lacking right now. There's. There's a buzz missing to it. There's an energy missing to it. And I'm sorry we talked about it, and I'm not trying to beat the dead drum. Velveteen Dream wrestling in empty arenas is not a good idea. No, it's not. Really isn't. So, I mean, that's the uh, that's the deal. Both Steve and I go AEW this week. And, um, you know, send your hate mail and tell me how I'm on the Tony Khan stimulus package all you want. And... Well, I hope I, uh, if Tony wants to send me some money, I'm all, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm all right with that, but uh, you know what? We're going to make up for it right now because as much as we kissed AEWS, you know, so far, we're going to go ahead and break down the next big WWE pay-per-view event that's going to just set the world on fire. WWE Money in the Bank 2020 taking place this weekend, Steve. This is the card we have so far. We will break down what we have right now. We're going to start off with the most unique Money in the Bank matches ever held on the face of the planet Earth. Yeah. Now, these matches are apparently going to take place simultaneously throughout the night. Um, They're going to battle starting on the bottom floor of Titan Towers to the roof where the briefcases are. We're going to start with the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, Steve. We have Aleister Black, your close personal friend Daniel Bryan, your cousin Rey Mysterio, yes. your best friend Otis. Um, yeah. I, I know the guy you wish to be like more than anyone in life, King Corbin, and AJ Absolutely. Styles back from the dead. 
Yeah. <laughs> so now listen. These are going to be something different what for sure. What did he say? What did he say on Monday? Like, I got buried, he, so what? Something like that? He's, he got buried, but he's back alive. Said he came back from the dead, and he basically threatened to throw people off the roof to win. I just saw the picture where you say, yeah, like, I got buried, so what? And that's and people compared that to whatever WWE people say on interviews all the time. Because that's what they always say. What, what Rusev always said when he did interviews, like, oh, I got buried, so what? That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> So, again, these matches are – they're going to be something different from Shore. They're going to have that cinematic presentation to them as they battle through WWE HQ. That's not a bad lineup, to be no, honest. No, it's not horrible. And I think, like, the, the kind of cool thing about it is, is, like, you can do some great sight gags as they battle through the building. Like, you can have, like – you know, as the men are fighting, the women can be in the background and like, cause you know how in those office buildings, they have those like boardrooms with the glass walls. You know, you mm-hmm. can have like King Corbin trying to kick the shit out of Daniel Bryan in the office as the women are brawling behind them through the hallway. You can yeah. have somebody brawling to Vince's office as he's eating like a fucking steak. I mean, sure. I mean the, the possibilities are certainly there for some interesting things. Um, so as far as the winner goes, it's like outside of Corbin, um, I think that there are some interesting possibilities because I have no desire to see Corbin win another one of these. Um, he probably, yeah, it's a good chance. Yeah, I th- I think you could on in theory do some interesting character work with Aleister Black holding it. Brian winning is, um, you know, being the former champion, winning again, trying to get back into things isn't a horrible idea. Uh, trying to recapture a little magic. Ray is looking to get back into the championship pitcher. He's never won a money in the bank, but he's been cost a title by money in the bank. Yeah. Um, I love Otis, but I don't see him winning. And then you got styles. Who is a former world champion coming off the loss to undertaker. Um, he's a strong heel. And I think that with him coming back and winning the gauntlet, I would go with AJ because I think AJ would make for someone good to have the case and play with it and eventually challenge Drew. He could challenge Drew or, or he could challenge Braun Strowman on there. To, on you the have effort. to challenge who's on your brand, Steve. You can't break the fucking rules, okay? That's never happened. <laughs> we have laws in this goddamn country, Steve. That's never happened. People never challenge people on, their, on separate brands. That's never happened before. So, yeah, AJ seems like the smart choice. I'm going to be rooting for Otis. Fair enough. When I'm going to be rooting for Otis because he, he, that would be awesome. Well, I mean, if I'm being honest, I think he should have replaced Roman at Mania. Otis is the world champion. Might turn around the ratings, let's be honest. There you go. I think that would work. Although, I don't know. Do Otis' segments have a... Positive and negative impact? Do we know? Uh, I I don't think they honestly have. I think it's it's one of those angles that people seem to like, but it's it's not like tanking, but it's not like really improving anything. So, so next eh. up, Steve, we have the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Yeah, Oscar, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Carmella, Dana Brooke, and Lacey Evans. Carmella is almost impossible to be in these matches. Okay. She's won a couple, right? Yep. There you go. So I think that's the obvious pick is Carmella because she wins these money bank ladder matches 
for women's contract championship style contracts. That's what she's done over the years. And I could see her rising above while people like Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax spend their time killing each other. And Asuka laughs and stuff. And uh, Dan Brooke and Lacey Evans stand there and Carmella gets a contract. Yeah, see, Carmella's not going to win. That's not happening. Um, there, it should. Uh, well, it's she's not. got a. Uh, that's a gimmick. She wins these. Okay. Well, these first, are, see, this is what you don't understand. First of all, Steve, you haven't been paying okay. attention to these outside interviews when Lacey Evans talks about how she has experienced storming buildings from being an MV, uh, uh, military MP. So she's going to thrive in this uh, aspect. And then, of course, you oh, have okay. Dana Brooke, who they decide to use every once in a while and threw her in here because they didn't want to use Naomi because she's at home with her injured husband. Yeah. And um, yeah, Carmella's not going to win. Nobody on SmackDown is going to win because the end game yeah. is Bailey and Sasha coming up. Mm. So you have Asuka, who yeah. they're not going to go back to, even though she's awesome and they should. It's either going to be Nia or Shayna. And yeah. the thing is, Nia is related to The Rock. She has history go. with Becky from the whole nose break thing. And they're probably going to find a way to push Nia Jax and have her win this fucker. So yeah, I'm going and Nia they, have, they have previously announced that the man, Becky Lynch, will confront the winner of this kind of, of this go. match. I'm sticking with Carmella, by God. I'm going to stick with that pick. She has a knack for winning these matches, by God. Or he's all well, Steve, you, uh, Steve, I love you, but you're a fool. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I'm telling you. you know, Listen, it's if, just like, you know, if people have some certain winning streaks. People just win things. I'll tell you this. If it magically happens, you can do a big old victory lap on me next week, but it's not going to happen. Yeah, probably not. I'm going to stick with it. I'd, I'd rather see Carmella and Nia, Nia Jax. So I'd rather know. Carmella win than Nia Jax, too. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean, listen, the fact is, is that Nia's going to win because she did it for The Rock. She did for the people. Yes. But, uh, we got King Corbin and Nia Jax coming up, ladies and gentlemen. That helps all. That would be the worst double win ever. Well, we do live in the worst timeline. We do. Yes, so, we do. Steve, next up we have the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match as the New Day defends against Miz and Morrison, defends yeah. against the Lucha House Party, yeah, and defends against your second cousins, the Forgotten Sons. Yeah, my second cousins, that's right. Steve Cutler, Jason Jackson Ryder, and or Wesley Blake. That's right. What do you think? This thinking? is a thing that's happening. Yeah. Okay. That's <laughs> that's all I really have to say. I mean, well, you got to uh, at least pick a winner. Ah, uh, the new day should win. Out of all these options, let's be honest: the Lucha House Party aren't going anywhere. Forgotten Sons. I mean, people are trying to sell me on Forgotten Sons as this big act they could get over. Are they the, the same people roster. trying to sell me on Dexter Loomis? Yes. Okay. The same people trying to sell you on Dexter Loomis, trying to sell you on the, the Forgotten Sons. I just don't see it. I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. But uh, I see Biggie and Kofi getting done for Xavier Woods. That's why I see it happening. So going into this, I've got a lot of criticism on my reviews for my reaction to the booking of the SmackDown tag division because what they thought was good. Oh, they put the forgotten sons over the new day. And it's just like when you said private party beat the young bucks and they were going to be made and it's the same thing. Well, the difference is private party had a great match with the top tag team at AEW and that (laughs) this is 
This is lazy WWE tag team booking. They do the same thing once or twice a year, and I just saw it back at Elimination Chamber when they pretend to care about the tag team division. They heat up a couple teams, but then one of the Usos got injured, so they had to take them out, so they're forced to use the Forgotten Sons. Listen, New Day is fun and great. The Lucha House Party are a lot of fun, but they're never booked well. Okay, Miz and Morrison can be a lot of fun. The Forgotten Sons are a WCW Saturday night team that everybody tries to tell me are really great workers. They're fun. They're like disorderly conduct is what you're saying. There you go. So the thing is, though, is with the Usos going to be out for a long while, Steve, unless they bring in Kona Reeves to play like the uh, the fake Uso, like when they brought in, was it Sione with the Islanders? Sione, yes, with the head shrinkers, yes, the barbarian. Yeah. So it's Everybody's like, that. unless yeah. they bring in Kona Reeves to fucking replace the injured Uso, what they're going to do this summer, my prediction is, they're going to pretend like they're booking this division. And they're going to do a bunch of title changes. And they're going to trick everybody into thinking that we care about the tag team division and we're booking it. But they're not really booking it. They're just going to do a bunch of fucking multi-mans and tag team um, fucking uh, tag team uh, title switches. Until Jimmy and Xavier Woods eventually come back in like nine months. So with go. that being the case, I'm going to go because I think we're going to see some worst options on this show. Forgotten Sons, your new tag team champions. Yeah, why not? That's fine. Next up, Steve, sticking with the SmackDown brand. Your role model, Bailey, is defending against, yeah. speaking of The Rock, Tamina. Hold on. Brit, Dr. Britt Baker is my role model. Well, that's not what Bailey told me. I don't know who his Bailey character is. I don't Bailey know, said I don't you know. loved her. Who'd she ever beat? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> she beat Charlotte. Can... She beat Lady Big Dog. She beat Lady Big Dog. There you have it. I, uh, for God's sakes, nobody has explained to me why are we pushing Tamina when they just had the Dark Side of the Ring episode about Jimmy Snuka? Where well, he killed a Vince, guy. Vince he killed a girl. Excuse me. He killed a girl. Okay. Let, let's straighten that out. Vince thinks that uh, any publicity is good publicity, apparently. Well, there you have it. Bailey retains. That's all I have to say. For God's sakes. What else can I say? Why would... T- Is there any reason Tamia should win this match? God, no. Okay, Bailey. Come on. I mean, she's not my role model, but I mean, she is other people's role model, I'm sure. I don't hate Bailey. She's fine. I mean, she's not as fine as Sasha Banks. Where's Sasha on this show? Where? Why is there no Sasha Banks here? What's going on? Because they're holding off Sasha and Bailey for SummerSlam, reportedly. But Sasha's been looking so good lately. I'm sure she'll be hanging around there looking fine. But Okay, okay, as long as she's somewhere in the vicinity. Okay, I mean, I'll pay attention to the match if Sasha thinks it's at ringside. You know, it'll be all right. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. So, I'm going to start out. I think this is kind of a public service announcement, Steve, and I just want everybody to bear with me. Um, there are people that are going to tell you that Tamina is a good professional wrestler. Who? Hang on, don't fucking interrupt the public service announcement. And um, that her tenure in the company makes her worthy of this title match. No! And some people will even tell you that she should get a short title run, even if it's for transitional purposes. Are these people on crack? These people are fools. They are not your friends. And they should not only feel bad, but you should practice life distancing skills from all of these people. 
To say that this match is going to be a challenge would be possibly the biggest understatement I've ever made. <laughs> um, Bailey's title run in the ring hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire, and I love Bailey, and I think she's very good. She's but, not my role model, but she's okay. And here's the thing. Even in quarantine, I don't have the time, will, or desire to dig into Domina's Tamina's fucking portfolio of matches to find out the last time that I would consider a match that she had good. Like, I can't remember a match that she had that was good as her in a single. Could not tell her. Because there's not one. There never was one. Never. She is the definition of challenger of the month. Lacey and and Sasha are the ones they're focused on in this division right now. And they don't want them losing again on pay-per-view. So there's no reason for Bailey to lose here. The end game is Sasha. So we're pushing the daughter of the guy that killed a girl is what we're doing here. And I'll tell you what, the Nobody uh, I have I this doesn't make sense. I'm sorry. I can't I can't understand it. Steve, here's the thing. Um the only thing to me that can make empty arena WWE TV more of a chore to watch would be Tamina fucking Snooka as a champion. I will hope for the best here, but I do not see this going well in any way. And let me tell you, if it ends up being good in any way, Bailey is a fucking miracle worker. If Sasha Banks is anywhere in the vicinity at ringside or something like I will just watch Sasha Banks. That's all I'm going to do. I don't give a shit about this fucking match. Good, good God. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. I... Tamina Snuka, uh, Jimmy Snuka killed a girl. Are we just uh, going to sweep that under the rug? Is that what we're doing here? Well, you know, not even that, Steve. Listen, if we don't even want to judge her by her past, are we just forgetting the pa- the fact that Tamina Snuka is a horrible fucking professional wrestler? I'm not, but apparently Vince has for all these years. He keeps running a contract. Maybe, maybe Tamina pulled the switcheroo on Vince and she walked into his office with a briefcase full of money. Maybe. Who knows where she got that money from? <laughs> I don't know. It was the That's money not... Jimmy didn't pay to the fucking Argentina family, probably. Well, there you have it. Oh, gosh. Just so bad. Why is this? A, I just... This is this is just kind of the... I would classify this under the worst. I really would. Just bad. Well, Steve, I don't right. think it's getting better because next up is Braun Strowman <laughs> versus Bray Wyatt. No, it's not going to get much better. Braun Strowman, the the leader of the uh, pull up by your bootstraps crowd. That guy, yeah, yeah. How's sucks he doing? It, sucks that y'all got fired. Yeah, I didn't see him buried. Hanging his... out in a hammock the last time I saw him, he's like hanging out. Oh, look at me on the You man. know what's funny yeah. is he buried all these indie guys for not having a savings plan in this shit. I didn't yeah. see him fucking burying his good friends EC3 and Drake Maverick when they got fired. No, he sure didn't. Yeah. Fucking idiot. Anyway, Braun Strowman defending against Bray Wyatt, and it is advertised as Bray Wyatt and not The Fiend. Not The Fiend. It's going to be the uh, children's television show host, Bray Wyatt. So who's winning, Steve? What do you thought? Yeah, Braun's going to win. I'm not going to give a shit. Yep. That's all I got, man. I I have no further thoughts on this whole situation. I'm sorry. Hey, I, I, I would like to provide a lot of thoughts about how, oh my gosh, Braun is this incredible champion who has been carrying the company on his back. And Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, uh, all his characters have just been tremendous box office. And Goldberg squashing him in two minutes didn't hurt him at all. I'd love to say all these things. 
but I would be full of shit. I was going to say, those would certainly be takes. Those would be takes. They would be very hot takes. They would be fresh out of the oven hot takes. They would be. Well, I will, I'm sorry. I, yeah, Brun's going out. I don't give a shit. I no, will say that I, I got some stuff, Steve, because I, I know you don't have a lot for this. But Good. I will say this. In terms of story, going to Braun and Bray isn't a bad plan on paper due to the fact that they have history with the Wyatt family and that Bray never got a title shot after losing to Goldberg. So story-wise, it's fine. But where sure. it loses me is once the bell rings. Because yep. <laughs> Braun Strowman is an extremely one-note performer. He roars, he runs things over, and then he runs into a post like a fucking idiot every match so that his opponent can get the heat on him. <laughs> that is every Braun Strowman match. Braze- Those perishables just sneak up out of you. Uh, uh, they'll sneak up on you out of nowhere. Yeah, like There's a fucking a- airplane coming out of nowhere. Right, right. exactly. Bray's run since the birth of the Fiend hasn't been much to write home about in terms of matches. Well, people tell me it's fucking great. I mean, he's had a lot of bad matches. He had some good with Daniel Bryan, but again, Braun Strowman is not Daniel fucking Bryan. No, not in the same zip code, not in the same fucking country, to be this, honest. <laughs> this to me is another, I'm hoping for the best, but as far as in the ring, I don't see a lot of good happening. It's being billed as Braun facing Bray. So if it stays that way, <laughs> Braun should win because I'm sorry, nobody should really be losing to Bray Wyatt unless you're the Miz because you're a fucking well, Miz geek. did. Miz did. Because well, Miz, Miz is, is a fucking geek. Yeah, very much. That's how they treat him anyway. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, Braun should retain. So, and again, these it's are a- all the matches that we know are confirmed, Steve. So the last match, which I'm assuming is the main event because it seems like the only thing really worthy of the main event. Well, I feel like the main event will probably be the climax of the two ladder matches if they're gone the whole show. Well, sure, whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know I'm not wrong. Yeah. But I'm talking as terms of last official match on the show. Anyway. Sure. WWE champion Drew McIntyre defending against the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. How do you feel about that whole Monday Night Messiah nonsense? Well, you like that? I, I'll tell you what. Here's my problem with it. Seth Rollins, his promo stuff actually doesn't have bad content. The content is actually good. But here's the thing. He's supposed to be playing this Messiah role with disciples, right? Sure. Last thing I remember, cult leaders and messiahs and guys like that are supposed to have charisma and pull you in with their words. Yeah. Like, like, like um, somebody like a Jim Jones, Steve, which people would know of. Yeah. And um, here's the thing with Seth Rollins. I am your Monday Night Messiah. I'm not yeah. doing this for me. I'm doing it for you. I will make the sacrifice in order to save you all because <laughs> I am your Messiah. Drew McIntyre is not properly prepared to make the sacrifices that I will make for you as your Monday Night Messiah. That's the tone of most assessed promos. Like the content is there. The content is fine, but like, it's like too laid back. You need to have a little charisma to it, brother. It's like, listen, Bray Wyatt, the majority of his run, I couldn't tell you anything he said during 98% of his promos, but his delivery was fucking wonderful. And at least it felt interesting. It wasn't good because you didn't know what he was saying. 
<laughs> but at least it, there was some charisma to it, and it pulled you in. So Seth kind of loses me in that regard. So Seth is like the anti-Ultimate Warrior, is what you're saying. Yeah. It's like the Ultimate uh, Warrior promos had no rhyme or reason to them at all. Well, like I recently but you talked still about him. He's Ultimate Warrior because he's fucking. He had some charisma there. Yeah, I recently talked about the Mania Six match with Hogan and uh, War because I had to do it for one of those uh, best of shows. And like I talked about, and somebody didn't get it when I talked about how Hogan and Warriors promos were spectacular for just the right reasons because they were just in fucking sane. <laughs> and it's like they were very much a product of the time. I don't really know what they were talking about, hanging and banging and clanging with the Superdome and the fucking planes flying above head or whatever. But it was fucking at least entertaining. Yeah, Warrior never made any sense, but at least it was entertaining. He had some charisma. He could draw you in, where even if he didn't make any sense, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff right there. I like it. Go out in the Warrior. With Seth Rollins, where he might have some good material, yeah, uh, you know the, the delivery's not there. It's just it's it's so boring. The man does not even have chemistry. He he does not have on-screen chemistry with his fiance. For God's sake! No. Good lord. <laughs> well, here's the how good bad news. you have to be. <laughs> Here, here's the good news though that we know when Seth is in there with somebody that cares and can work. He'll have a good match. Seth will have a good match for you. So right now. Seth versus Drew is a really good match on paper, I think. I like it. I mean, you have to have a main event for this show, technically. And I like it. I think Drew should win. I think they'll have a really good match. I just hope they don't overbook it and have, like, Murphy or anybody else get involved. Yeah, um, you probably will see Murphy. and Are are AOP still around? Well, the one's out of action because he tore his bicep, I think. He got injured somehow, but he's... uh, It's weird how one... Uh, we've noticed how one member of a tag team gets injured, the other one can't show up forever. Which is why when people talk about booking, well, Jay used to show up and no, he won't. Wait a minute. <laughs> Steve, I got it. Let's take the other fucking, um, let's take Occam or Razor, the non-injured one, and put him with Jay Uso. Well, that would be something to do with both of them. It would make sense, but they like to leave these guys on the shelf. I'm still telling you, it's going to be um, Kona Reeves as Sione coming in. That's not going to happen. If it happens... Does Rikishi have, have any more sons? Uh, I don't know. You, you, they Theoretically, you know what? They, they could uh, bring in, like, Sean Maluta they have a big from um, Evolve. They really have a big family. Yeah, I'm sure that they, they could... Bring um, anybody. They, they could work something out. But anyway, I'm going with Drew to retain. I, I don't think you take the title off of him. I don't care that the raw ratings are diminishing. It's not Drew's fault. No, anyway with the brain there is it's not Drew's fault. Exactly. So we'll see what happens, but I'm going to go with Drew, Steven. I think that they can have a good match. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it'll be a perfectly fine match. I think it'll be certainly a lot better than the other matches we've been hyping on the show so far. Probably the match of the night. And I think uh, Drew gets a look good and big victory to set him up for that big uh, single speed of Jinder Mahal. You know it's coming. You got the three MB implosion. It's gonna have have to happen. I I just don't understand the lack of foresight here. When you knew Jinder Mahal is gonna come back, and you knew you have Drew the champion, why did you fire Heath Slater? How fucking dumb is that? 
This is also the company that books Akira Tozawa to job like a fucking geek every Monday night wise in a quote unquote important tournament on Wednesday night. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm just saying, can you have a little bit of foresight where it's like, okay, we're gonna have we'll do this shoot of Drew and Gender because we have nothing else to do. Maybe we should keep around that guy who is part of a faction with them for a little bit. I yeah, I, I don't get it. I'm I sorry, I understand. So, Steve, if I had to, you don't ask... think he would be the perfect referee for that matter? That would have been great. Well, he's he a referee. Be it would have been fine. I know we were not high on gender as an in ring performer and whatnot, but I think Drew versus gender with Heath as a referee would be fine. I think somebody was high when they booked him as fucking champion. Well, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that your boy Ryan Ward? Oh, I, no. forget. I forget who the booking crew was at the It was point. probably fucking Road Dog. The road dog. Well, he would never get he would never get high, I'm sure. No. Alright, Steve. If I had to ask you your excitement out of ten for this money in the bank show. <laughs> I'm gonna put it at the baseline like a solid five. Five. Because I well and you know what? It's also Mother's Day. I'm not gonna watch it live. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'll, I'll be working, and it'll be Mother's Day, so I'll work. I'll do something for Mother's Day, and uh, this show I might see at some point. And maybe I, I don't know. If I hear something hyped, I'll watch it. If I hear like a match or two is good, I'll watch those matches. Fair enough, Steve. And again, this is uh, what we know is confirmed as of today. I'm sure they'll add a couple bullshit pre-show. Oh matches. yeah, they'll add it all. They'll, they'll add some stuff. They will for reasons. Um, otherwise, I don't know. But, um, yeah, Steve isn't watching this live, so I'm not making him review it. But do not worry, everybody. Sunday night, Kevin Pantoja will be joining me. We will break down whatever this Money in the Bank show ends up being. Hopefully it's not wretched. I don't have high hopes for it, though. I'm not going to lie to you. But um, so Kevin will be on Sunday night and on that show um, should also include the review of the Herb Abrams Dark Side of the Ring. Ooh. We'll pair those up together, which uh, Jerome will be on for me. And uh, again, guys, we are working to create as much content as possible. Steve, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to post them up, but would you like to tell the people what we recorded last weekend? Give them a little, give them a little taste. Oh, a little taste. Well, last weekend we reviewed a couple of a uh, couple of shows, uh, varying quality and whatnot. We, uh, you saw the show we posted this week with the first three class champion shows we recorded the fourth class champion show that'll air at some point and we also talked about one of the greatest WF pay-per-views of all time the canadian stampede because you know i mean the calgary stampede has been canceled this year so we can't have that so we're gonna have the canadian stampede we're gonna talk about a show that just delivered on all levels, which we don't get to talk. We don't get to talk about shows that deliver on, on all levels very often these days. So it's a welcome change of pace, I think. So it was a good time. That's right. So again, Steve and I already recorded those. They will be popping up here in the feed. Pay attention. And um, let's see here. I have I'm trying to find. Well, we can go ahead and hype that. I mean, I'll go ahead and hype that we're going to do, we're, we're continuing the Clash stuff. We'll be doing five and six here pretty soon. That's right. So, part of the Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat feud, which, uh, you know, I have some opinions on. All right. Watching these shows back, I do have some opinions because, I mean, they're, they're great matches. 
but uh, there's some other there's some flaws there. Well, we'll we'll dig into it. All right, fair enough. And then the other thing I want to let everybody know is, uh, you know, Kevin and I already did Ultima Lucha one. We have recorded a review of Ultima Lucha Dose as well, Ooh. which in the coming weeks will run. So. Again, we are um, we're trying to put stuff together for you guys. Kevin and I also have some stuff planned to record. Jerome and I will be finishing up Dark Side of the Ring. And um, again, like I said, if you want Steve and I to review something, um, we do not mind taking recommendations. The only thing for Steve is it has to be on Netflix, Amazon Prime, the WWE Network, or free on YouTube. Yeah, uh, I think most stuff, most stuff is at this point, to be honest with you. So, and then the other thing is with Kevin, Kevin is a little more open because Kevin has New Japan World. So, like, if you want Kevin and I to dig into some New Japan or something, we'll take recommendations for that. But Kevin and I did take a recommendation. We are actually going to start looking into the NXT Brooklyn shows. Ah, okay. Because there is a lot of good there with the Brooklyn shows. So, uh, we got plans. We're going to keep doing stuff. Again, we will gladly take some suggestions. We hope you guys are enjoying them. But, uh, Steve, that is going to finish you and I up for tonight. Uh, anything you want to plug before we go? Um, well, I mentioned earlier that we got some botched in the, in the system. We got some top seven in the system. Next top seven column on 411 will be the top seven sidekicks. Because I'll tell you where I got the uh, inspiration for that column. I was watching that third hour of Raw. And I saw Murphy walk out, and he's doing this fucking praying gimmick to Seth Rollins, where the hell he's doing. And I was just thinking, well, you know, Murphy would probably love to be a, a top-notch sidekick of all time. And then I, then the light clicked on. It's like, ooh, sidekicks, let's do it. Bam. Yeah. All right. Murphy will not be anywhere near top seven sidekicks of all time. I, <laughs> that will never happen. <laughs> God, you're, you're such a whore, Steve. You just fucking faked everybody out. No, Murphy is not on there. I'm sorry. Everybody uh, was expecting Murphy, Steve. As awesome as the Monday Night Messiah gimmick and Murphy and all that stuff is, uh, he, he didn't quite make the cut. I'm sorry. Didn't quite happen. Fair enough. But yes, that um that finishes up us up for this week. Steve and I will be back next Wednesday night slash Thursday morning to talk about all the latest news in wrestling, Steve. We'll talk about AEW. We'll talk NXT. Maybe if Steve catches the... Uh, NWA show. We might even talk some NWA from Tuesday night, Steve. Woo! So um, we will we will be back again. Kevin and I back Sunday night after Money in the Bank. <clears throat> so I want to thank everybody for listening. You guys have been great throughout all this. And again, we're just trying to provide as much fun stuff for you to listen to and distract yourselves from everyday life as possible. But that is going to wrap up episode 113 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, the411mania.com website, and any major podcasting platform. Please make sure to subscribe to our show, share us around on social media, and if you have time, leave us a five-star review on the podcasting platform of your choosing. Until next time, stay safe, everybody.